Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Oh, if only we could improve the weather. Uh, they give us a forecast for a smasher. Uh, get on the beach, get on into your togs and in your bedinaz and get on the beach and then they tell us it's going to be cloudy and misty and showery and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, to the morning papers, the uh, Mirror front page has Get Vac, larger crowds than expected, back for gigs and sports. Meal Martin was in town uh, yesterday, uh, principally on Princess Street where he had a bit of nosh and met uh, some of the punters and some of the providers of hospitality. Bigger crowds uh, than had been expected and predicted could be allowed at fo- uh, sports fixtures and gigs next month, the Taoiseach said yesterday. And Michal Martin also revealed workers may be back in the office in August. He cautiously forecast an accelerated reopening of society as he attributed a fall in COVID cases to very effective vaccines. Uh, the Taoiseach added, if the trial goes well, I think it would make a great summer for people. Troublemakers will not spoil our recovery, uh, says the Mail front page. Mihal's vow as August office return as touted. The Taoiseach has said the types of troublemakers responsible for ugly scenes of violence and vandalism in Dublin at the weekend won't slow down the country's exit from lockdown. It's a bit of a misnomer, actually. When you look at baton charges in Dublin because people can access takeaway points and gather in their thousands and a responsible family of four or six could not sit down until Monday night and uh, have a meal together. But anyway, it's all in the past now. Docklands Jobs Boost. Michal also making the front page of the Echo today. The Penrose Dock Complex to house 1,600 workers. Amy Nolan reporting that the numbers working at Penrose Dock, the new office complex at the heart of Cork's new Docklands, expected to grow to more than 1,600. And this figure was also revealed by the Taoiseach, Michal Martin and Foreign Affairs Minister Simon Coveney, as they both visited the development to meet with site leads from the 18 companies who currently occupy the scheme. So he holds all over the papers this morning. Moves to protect uh, tenants, uh, the examiner says on the front page, and extend sick pay. Daniel McConnell and Owen English reporting that extending the ban on evictions and rent increases and introducing a cap on rent deposits and plans for universal sick pay are all to be approved by the Cabinet today. The Irish examiner understands the COVID-19 ban on rent increases and evictions is to be extended until January 12th, 2022, as it is expected uh, Housing Minister Dara O'Brien will introduce a bill to extend the targeted residential tenancy provisions under the Planning and Development and Residential Tenancies Act 2020. Baby death dog killed is the front page of the Sun today. The Husky Cross has been destroyed after a horror attack. The dog which killed a three-month-old baby has been put down. Mia O'Connell, who died in the horror early morning attack in Clashmore, County Waterford, will be laid to rest today. Uh, Locals said the parish is numb at the news and a post-mortem was carried out uh, on the Husky Terror Terrier to try and establish what happened. Uh, so the post-mortem carried out on the dog as well. A baby girl who suffered horrendous head injuries after being attacked by a dog in the family home in the early hours of Monday will be laid to rest today. How sad. Leaving cert gets underway today. Good luck to everybody who's taking part. It's kind of a two-track leaving cert, and it's kicking off this morning. Most students to sit at least one paper as half opt not to take Irish. An examiner reporting leaving cert exams set to begin for 55,000 students today, with the vast majority due to sit at least one paper under the two-track approach to assessments. Ireland is thought to be unique in its approach to state exams this year, with students being offered the choice between accredited grades, written exams, or both. So with less papers to correct and more of the estimated grades coming out, 
How come they can't get the results until the 3rd of September, which is going to put the CAO process into a hames, I think. Uh, it'll certainly stop the, uh, you know, the introduction week at the end of August. Uh, and uh, that's important to people who are coming into college for the first time, I think. Um, anyway, the latest information available as the exams get underway shows 90% of registered students have indicated they will sit at least the written paper in at least one subject. Almost 40,000 students intend to sit exams in five or more subjects. And students are taking the traditional route despite COVID options. 40,000 pupils will sit at least five papers, says the Independence front page today. Catherine Donnelly reporting the majority of Leaving Cert students plan to sit exams in at least five subjects as pupils opt for the traditional route despite COVID disruption. The formal examination process for the class of 2021 begins today in the most unusual start ever to state exams, with accredited grades also in process for all students. The Echoes front page has Chase, Quash, Incinerator, Permission. Anne O'Loughlin reporting a local environmental group wants the High Court to make orders that would require the marathon planning process for a proposed 160 million incinerator at Ringeskitty to start afresh. Following the court's judgment last March, upholding its challenge to onboard Panola's 2018 permission for the incinerator, Cork Harbour Alliance for a Safe Environment, or Chase, said the permission should be squashed or quashed. This is uh, necessary because there is nothing to show the planning body has any insight into how the court's findings affect public appreciation of its decision-making. David Holland for Chase argued. You can check out the uh, detailed story uh, and a picture of the uh, whole Boland site as well. They want Justice uh, Barneville to instead make orders that would see the board reconsider the planning application at a particular stage and in line with the court's March judgment. Incinerator in the middle of the second biggest natural harbour in the world. Sometimes you just have to wonder. Man admits recording other men in toilets around Cork. Liam Halen reporting in the examiner that a 45-year-old man has confessed to engaging in sexually offensive conduct by using a mobile phone to record three unknown males using toilet cubicles at Apple Computers in Holly Hill, at Cork Airport and at Blackpool Shopping Centre. Garfield Ebbs with an address at Fairfield Green, Farnry, Cork was arraigned at Cork Circuit Criminal Court yesterday and numerous accounts appeared on the indictment against uh, the Ebbs uh, and uh, he has been arraigned on five counts to which he pleaded guilty. Uh, if the Ebbs there gives uh, an impression that it's uh, in the plural, no, it's only just one. Uh, maybe that should have read Mr. Ebbs, but it does say the Ebbs on the front of the examiner. Ebbs admitted engaging in sexual activity with a child under, under the age of 17 um, by penetrating. I better not read that in case there's younger people listening, but uh, you can check it out on the front page of the examiner. The remaining three counts to which he pleaded guilty related to intentionally engaging in offensive con- conduct of a sexual nature by recording an unknown male in a toilet cubicle and sharing the said movie clip on a mobile phone. The nurse who killed her children uh, committed to a mental hospital. The report says that Deirdre Morley requires inpatient care. Pediatric nurse Deirdre Morley, who smothered her three young children at their family home, was found not guilty of their murders by reason of insanity and has been committed to the Central Mental Hospital. A Central Criminal Court judge made the order yesterday morning, nearly three weeks after a jury returned the special verdicts following the trial of the 44-year-old Highly trained clinical nurse, Mr. Justice Paul Coffey, said that he was satisfied that Miss Morley continues to suffer from a mental disorder under the meaning of the legislation and is in need of inpatient care at a designated centre. Uh, she's of Parsons Court in Newcastle County, Dublin, and had pleaded not guilty by reason of insanity to the murder of her sons, Connor McGinley, nine, Dara McGinley, just seven, 
and her three-year-old daughter, Carla McGinley. The children's bodies were discovered at the family home just before 8pm on the evening of January 24th last year. You can check that story out in today's issue of The Mail. Up in smoke, taxpayers have shelled out 230 grand for kits used in air court displays. More than 230,000 euro of taxpayers' money has been spent on coloured smoke for air Corps planes. The fancy kits used during displays were purchased by the Department of Defence in 2019 for €192,665, Euro, while the coloured dyes for the smoke cost another 20000 uh, And a further 20000 was spent on travel and subsistence, sending Air Corps engineers to a base in Switzerland to learn how to use these specialised machines. Social Democrat co-leader Catherine Murphy received the information in response to a parliamentary question and told the Irish Mirror, while I don't dispute that some value was achieved in respect of training personnel in the installation of the smoke kits, that type of learning can be passed on within the Air Corps. I would like to see further information, like was the Air Corps contractually obliged to return the aircraft supplier uh, to the aircraft supplier for the accessories? Perhaps a search of the market may have yielded a better price, but 230 grand uh, into the coffers of the defence forces maybe being spread spread out uh, in you know as is necessary uh, to bolster the wage which is very very low in the defence forces may have been better spent than putting it up in smoke wouldn't you think and uh, finally Amazon and eBay were among thousands of websites hit by a massive outage yesterday that cost companies an estimated 1.16 billion euros in sales PayPal Reddit Spotify CNN the Irish Times the Financial Times and the British government's gov.uk were also affected. This wasn't a hacker, though. This outage hit several countries around the world and is believed to have lasted for up to an hour. How do they get that figure, though? How is it 1.16 billion? Why isn't it just 1 billion or 1.2 billion? But they're very exact, I suppose. It was traced to a network run by US cloud computing provider Fastly. Uh, The firm's technology underpins websites and is designed to speed up loading times, protect them from denial of service attacks, and help deal with bursts of online traffic. David Jinks, head of consumer research at internet shopping delivery expert Parcel Hero, said, We believe retail worldwide would have lost around one billion. Time really is money in the area and in the era of e-commerce. Your morning papers. The Neil Prenderville Show. Now, let's go to an amazing story. The parish priest in Kilbritton held a mobile Eucharistic procession at the weekend. Father Jared Kremen joins us on line one. Good morning, Father. Oh, good morning. Morning. Now, you obviously see a need for uh, a mobile Eucharistic procession, or are you delivering the Eucharist on a mobile basis? Uh, well, you know, the Eucharist is, um, you know, it's got what uh, mostly is sustains our Catholic faith, uh, our belief in the real presence of Jesus uh, in body, blood, body, blood, soul, and divinity to the. Uh, appearance of bread and wine, and uh, we uh, sustain that that sustenance, I suppose, through uh, mass, of course, receiving the sacred body and blood of Jesus in the Eucharist, especially, uh, uh, you know, regularly uh, and faithfully, uh, and um, but also, of course, uh, in praying in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament, exposed or hidden in the tabernacles, and all this is. Um, all this is in the churches normally. But of course, with um, hundreds and hundreds of years, uh, people, uh, the Eucharist has been brought out uh, among the people on special occasions, above all, Corpus Christi has a very, very long 
uh, tradition of that everywhere uh, in, in Ireland and no less than anybody else. I, I do agree, Father. Huge tradition many, many years ago, but now a non-entity really, isn't it? Indeed not, no, because we're all Catholics and uh, it, it, uh, uh, or, um, uh, we, we um, have very special reference for Jesus uh, visible in the Blessed Sacrament. And uh, again, it's, this is not uh, confined. We are not confined the Lord to the church as part of our lives, part of our, our work, our, our houses, our fields, our streets. And I think this is what... Uh, the processions have always been a response to uh, that uh, uh, the, the, the importance of Jesus in our, in our lives as Catholics and uh, uh, above all to uh, profess our faith, let's say, in the real presence, which is the most important uh, belief uh, that we have. Okay, so you saw this uh, happening on the back of a Jeep in America and, and uh, you said, okay, that could work here. Uh, so, you know, fair play, you don't want to be encouraging people to gather in large groups uh, and, and to that extent, uh, there's lots of masses being live streamed. But you said, let's take yeah. it one step further, make a procession and bring the Eucharist around so people could come out and watch the procession and feel safe yeah, and feel close and included, is it? Uh, yeah, uh, well, I knew uh, people would have missed their uh, annual Eucharistic procession last year, no, the first year of the COVID. Uh, and very early in the COVID time, I just came across the Catholic website in America, uh, a picture of a priest up in the back of a Jeep uh, with the demonstrance, which is the, the golden vessel in which we, 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 we show the, the sacred host. And um, the, the Jeep very much reminded me of, of John John Mary or um, uh, his Jeep and the thought kind of went into my head and uh, it kept germinating there. I couldn't get it out of my head. So, uh, yeah, last year I did it and, uh, you know, uh, on, a, on a kind of surprise place because we didn't... We, it's very early in this COVID and, we, we, you know, we weren't too sure about infection rates and how infection was done and I was very much afraid that if I announced it and if the whole crowd came into the village, we didn't know what the situation would have been. So I, I didn't know. I was registering Mass as I do every day uh, and I just announced it. Uh, at the end of Mass, I gave five minutes notes to come out on the, on the, on the, uh, to, to their doors uh, and, and tell their neighbours if they want to tell it. And um, went down very, you know, very low-key, just uh, uh, drive down the village and back up again uh, very low-key. And this year, they know, we had experience. Uh, and we, all, we all have much more understanding now of what's safe and what's not safe. And uh, more than that, we had seen, we had seen during, the, during the year, um, you know, funerals uh, going through the village, we had seen the way very large numbers uh, were able to uh, pay their respects in a very safe way, uh, you know, masks and open air and well-separated. And I knew for the procession that we wouldn't have anything like that kind of numbers. Uh, so we were, uh, again, you say no to a very simple thing, a quiet, uh, what, 20 minutes, still half an hour less, uh, just, uh, you know, to, to, to um, and so that was appreciated by the, the people that, 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 that were there uh, uh, to, to witness it and to, to pay their honour to uh, our blessed Lord in the South. Okay, Father Jerkremen, but, um, you know, you're talking about your parishioners um, looking on in safety, but can I just venture that if you, if you drove through Cork City with a child unrestrained, with a guy sitting on the back of, of the tailgate of the Hilux, and with you sitting on a, 
on what's a normal house chair or church chair or whatever, the guards would arrest you. They wouldn't. They should have to, maybe. Um, they, uh, and, um, but again, you know, small, small, small place and going slowly and uh, extremely slowly, extremely carefully. Uh, and, um, you know, again, there weren't fools that, 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 you know, that, that young lad is level 12 years old and, uh, you know, he knew how to hold on to, you could see there. And, uh, my chair was tied down well and the guy holding it, uh, no, I mean, you know, we took that, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, into, into consideration. Well, yes, no, no, we weren't. We, we, we weren't um, uh, uh, fully safe there, but, you know, worst case scenario, okay. somebody falls out, yeah. Uh, I, you know, take that for granted, you know, but things like that's happening, you know, uh, different things, different things, you know. Yeah, in, in a church, Father, and I don't want to offend you, in a, in a church that's, you know, increasingly struggling to maintain its re- relevance, do you think this helps? Oh, it does indeed, because uh, we have a core, uh, we have a core uh, uh, Catholic uh, a, a congregation, we'll say, uh, who are faithful to the church and uh, who try and best to, 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 to live by the church's rules. And then they know this is the, this is the truth. Uh, they know this is the, this is the, the way of life. Uh, and um, the way of the one true church in the Catholic church. And that, you know, uh, this is their this is the old life here, and maybe you know uh, we hope to uh, we hope to always uh, you know draw back the the, the lost sheep. But uh, there was many many people. Uh, it doesn't matter whether the big number or small. Them, if not, if there's only one one true believer, even uh, you know, it's worth doing this for us. Okay, Father Jerry Kremen, well done. We have a text to say, well done, Father Jerry. We loved Thank him and killed Michael. So th- th- uh, thanks, oh, thanks yes, for coming thanks. on. One, one of my previous parishes. God bless you all, yeah. All the best to you now. Thanks. <laughs> That's Father Jer Kremen who held a mobile Eucharistic procession on the back of a Jeep on a chair. Uh, and we'll post those uh, on our social media. And as I dubbed it this morning, Hosanna in the Hilux. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851 Red FM. 9.30, good morning. This is Mick Mulcahy. And I'm drawn to an article that was in yesterday's uh, Irish Examiner by Fergus Finlay. Uh, new, uh, this is long, so bear with me, guys. It's, I think it's really, really worth reading out. New Vatican laws on the abuse of children are full of dishonest spin. What a disappointment Pope Francis has turned out to be. I don't know whether he lacks the will or the courage or whether he's incapable of asserting real and moral authority. I don't know whether he's been undermined from within or is just an old man incapable of seeing anything resembling a bigger picture. I don't know whether he or the people around him still regard the institution as more important than the people it is supposed to serve, but sometimes abuses. Or maybe it's just, and I don't know the answer to this either, he uh, and those around him uh, think we're all fools. Whatever the answer to those questions, I don't believe it's possible to read the most recent changes to canon law, the law of the Catholic Church, without feeling utterly let down by Pope Francis, the Pope who promised so much but has changed as little as possible. I'm not a Catholic, but I know the importance of the Church and its power for good or evil in the world. Reading the Pope's pronouncements this past week is like feeling conned and cheated by someone with whom you had a genuine feeling of respect. For whom? Uh, Mind you, it has to be admitted that the Pope and his people do good public relations. When the changes in canon law were announced last week, the RTE News website headlined it, Pope updates canon law to address paedophilia by priests. The Irish Times used language such as sweeping reform and the most expensive revision for uh, extensive revision 
in four decades. And that was just here. Pope widens church law to target sexual abuse of adults by priests and laity, said the New York Times. The BBC had Vatican laws changed to toughen sexual abuse punishment. Mission accomplished, you might say. At last, the Catholic Church is getting to grips with its past. Everyone interested in reporting on the story was told that this was the result of years of intensive work. Eleven years in the preparation, inputs from senior lawyers, including experts in criminal law. It could hardly be more thorough, more far-reaching, more exhaustive, more reforming. And then you read it and you realise it's Cod's Wallop. The world that takes child abuse seriously introduced mandatory reporting years ago. Here in Ireland, and despite our history, we weren't the quickest. The law on mandatory reporting places special responsibilities on people who have the experience and expertise to help to protect children from harm. We have laws that explicitly recognise different kinds of abuse as crimes. Many of us in Ireland had to campaign to get the legislation called Children First into place. But it's there now. And it's strong. These much-vaunted changes in canon law, on the other hand, can't bring themselves to use words such as mandatory reporting at all, or even the words child abuse. The document I read, which runs to 21 pages and has about 8,000 words, does not even mention the word child, except in one bit where it declares it an offence for a family to allow its children to be baptised in a non-Catholic religion. Don't get me wrong, there are loads of offences and different kinds of punishments, There are offences against the faith and the unity of the church and against church authorities. These ones seem to be really serious. There are offences against the sacraments. The person who admits a woman to the priesthood is automatically excommunicated, for example. And there are loads more. Sexual offences against children are grouped under the heading Offences Against Human Life, Dignity and Liberty. Throughout, children are referred to as minors. I don't know why the document is so reluctant to just call them children. According to this heading, priests are guilty of an offence in this section if they, quote, commit an offence against the Sixth Commandment of the Decalogue, unquote, with a child. I googled the Sixth Commandment of the Decalogue just to be sure. As I thought, it's the one that says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So far, so good, I suppose. Nearly there. The changes then go on to list other offences committed against a child by a priest or a member of a religious order, in respect of which the penalty is described as loss of office, and sometimes even dismissal from the priesthood. These offences, which I gather are new, include the grooming of a minor to expose himself or herself or to take part in pornographic activity and the collection and distribution of pornographic images of minors. Bear in mind that although the penalty can include removal from the priesthood, it doesn't explicitly say anywhere that the priest involved can be sent to jail. It's implied in some sections of the document. But there is another clause, and it undermines everything else in the document. Uh, When you read words uh, such as gravely and unjustly provoked, it says the penalties must be reduced if the perpetrator was drunk, was acting in the heat of passion, or was gravely or unjustly provoked. This is a backdoor. When you read words such as this, suddenly you realise what Enda Kenny meant in that famous speech ten years ago after the publication of the report into the clerical abuse in the Diocese of Cloyne. He made it clear in the speech that he was speaking as a practicing Catholic and referred to the ongoing cover-up of abuse. He said, quote, Far from listening to the evidence of humiliation and betrayal with St. Benedict's ear of the heart, the Vatican's reaction was to parse and analyze it with the gimlet eye of a canon lawyer. Uh, Gimlet eye indeed. How is it possible in any sane world for a Pope and his church to seek to command authority when on the one hand they're claiming to have strengthened canon law to protect children from abusers and on the other hand... They write in so many get-out clauses to protect the abusers. How do you claim provocation? How do you deny it? How, do you, how is it even possible for a priest with years of training and experience to be provoked 
into committing an abusive act against a child? How can language like that be allowed to stand in the document that has allegedly taken the best minds of the Vatican a decade to prepare? How is it not possible for the Church to say in its fundamental law that there is simply no excuse whatever for the abuse of a child by a priest? If this is really the best the Vatican can do, despite the spin when it was released, it's a million miles away from being good enough. It proves only one thing. Where the Church is concerned, nothing ever really changes. Fergus Finlay in yesterday's Examiner. Thanks for holding Rory O'Hagan, Head of Sport uh, at Cork's Red FM. Thanks, Rory. Hi, Mick. How are you, boy? Oh, very good. Now, from that very heavy subject, Ireland's players were booed by Hungarian fans for taking the knee in their international clash last night. It's obviously something they, they got together and decided as a team, uh, but that team is representing a nation. So how is this going to play out, do you think? Well, 10,000 fans last night in the Frank Sousa Stadium in Budapest all roundly booing the Ireland players taking a knee last night. Um, none of the Hungary players um, took the knee. Uh, a couple of them kind of pointed towards the UEFA respect logo just uh, as their act. But all the Irish players were roundly booed. It follows the England players being booed as well in their games recently. And uh, although, to be fair to the English fans, once the booing started, that was uh, drowned out by applause as well. So it's a, it's a massive talking point, Mick, and it's one that's not going to go away. Uh, England boss Gareth Southgate has been quite strong in this, saying that the players will continue um, to uh, take the knee and that the England players being booed for it is going to be considered a racist act by officials. Uh, Stephen Kenny, the Republic of Ireland manager, has been very, very strong in this as well, very impressive as well, saying that they will continue to take the knee. And this is something that's going to continue with the Euros just around the corner, Mick, starting this week. It's uh, something that is going to be a massive talking point. And as I said, I think players are going to continue to take the knee. Supporters are going to continue to boo it. Okay, well, uh, we're going to see it right through the Euros. So, of course, the delayed Euros, it's, uh, is it still called the 2020 Euros? It is indeed. It's called the Euro, Euro 2020, which is a bit off-putting to me. So I've been calling it the European <laughs> Championships because it seems that we're calling it Euro 2020 in 2021, I think. Okay, so look, you know the way music can call out politics, music can call out religion, music can call out racism. Is is it the place for sport to be calling out the, the racism, even though, and you have to admit, there is a lot of racism endemic in sport and a lot of display of racist acts at sporting fixtures? Of course it is. I mean, the players have the right to to, um, to protest. Players have the right to have their voices heard. And the players feel that by taking me, they're having their voices heard themselves. It was a big night last night for Chidoze Ogbeni, the Corkman, the former Cork City player, making a senior international debut. Um, the first African-born player in Irish football history to represent the senior men's team. It was a massive moment for him last night. And he said afterwards that hearing the booze um, was had a big effect on him and he says there's no place for racism in football or in any other sport and that the Irish players will continue to take the knee and he's quite proud of that um, so as I say Mick um, look it's going to continue um, unfortunately and the players are uh, in my opinion right to, to continue to take the knee to, to highlight social injustice and racism in football and it'll be interesting to see what happens throughout the summer on this but it's not going to go away and it's something that's uh, certainly going to continue yeah, okay. Texts are coming in, Rory. No room for Marxism in sport. Ireland team should be ashamed of themselves. Can't talk them at work. So sick of this woke PC nonsense, Mick, uh, is another one. Uh, do you think any of the Irish team have experienced displays of racism towards themselves? Yeah, you'd imagine so. I mean, like, um, a lot of players have talked about it. Um, there's been um, racist comments towards players um, across grounds in England, across uh, the, the games and across the years. 
uh, and even booing la- the, the taking the knee last night uh, can be considered a racist act. I mean, like uh, David Squires in the Guardian yesterday, the, the wonderful cartoonist put it best: if you're anti an anti-racism display, what does that make you? <laughs> It's a strange one. I had a text this morning, Roy, you, you, you'll enjoy this one. Uh, I see that England are installed as 12 to 1 uh, to win the Euros. So I, can I just break down the mathematics for you, just in case you don't understand betting, said the text. That means if you place 10 Euros on England to win at 12 to 1, you lose 10 Euros. <laughs> so what you're saying, Nick, is it's not coming home this summer, is it? <laughs> Rory, thanks a million for that. Uh, we'll watch it with interest, but I think we, we can see in... Uh, European Championships, as you call them, or as Euro 2020, as they are officially still called because they are delayed, we're going to see a lot more of players taking the knee. Thanks, Rory. Well, thanks, Nick. Cheers. Thank thanks. You. Bye-bye. You can call us 1850 You can text the Neil Prendival Show at 0868104106 or email neil at redfm.ie. Uh, now then, we have uh, an email here. I'm thinking of reporting my daughter's teacher to management for her behaviour. Now, Brenda received this email yesterday uh, and has covered it uh, socially, but we ha- we were also asked, uh, could we read it on air? So here it is, and I think it makes very worthy reading. Hi, guys. I hope all is well with you, and thanks for bringing up the topics that you do on the programme. I'm in a bit of a predicament. As many of us were out on Monday night enjoying ourselves as the bars reopened for outdoor dining, it was bound to happen that some of us got a little worse for wear. For someone to enjoy themselves after such a stressful few months is so understandable. However, I'm very concerned as last night out in town I saw a girl who teaches my six-year-old daughter out with her friends. I saluted her and she saluted me. I'd only know her as she's my daughter's teacher. As the night went on, I saw that she was getting very drunk and very rowdy. I do understand that she has a life to live also. What really has me concerned is that when I went to the smoking area with a friend of mine, I saw her smoking also. Fair enough. But it wasn't a cigarette. It was a joint. The waft was everywhere. Uh, she really did seem out of sorts, like a completely different person. It's made me feel very uncomfortable. I'm wondering, was this the first time she's been like this uh, on a night out, or is this regular behaviour? Uh, I'm thinking about reporting her to management as being honest. I don't want someone like that uh, teaching my child. My friend said I should just leave it, but I feel so uneasy about the whole thing. Please don't read out my name. My initial is K. What do others think. Uh, and your calls and comments on that are quite welcome. Shouldn't the uh, teacher have a right to uh, privacy? Okay, if she is breaking the law uh, by having a, a combustible joint or whatever. Um, is there 100% proof that, that she was the emitter of the waft? I don't know. Uh, should she be left alone or is this parent justified in bringing uh, a report to the teacher's employers and that uh, she doesn't want someone like that teaching uh, her child. Well, it's up to you. Give us a call. one eight five zero one zero four one zero six. Let's go to uh, line six and to Paddy. Good morning, Paddy. Hello. Hi, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Oh, what happened to you and your group of friends last week? Um, so basically, we were due to move into a house in the city and like we were in contact with the landlord all along, but it was very like wishy-washy. It was like he'd reply to one out of our four texts like he wouldn't reply to our calls and stuff um, he gave us like a set day to move in like we were meant to move in like about a week ago ten days ago and we were getting on to him like what's the story when are we going to move in no mm-hmm. answer no answer then we get about three hours notice last Thursday saying you can move in at four o'clock which of course most of us had work and everything so that's not enough notice at all to move in anyway 
two out of the five lads were able to move in at four. I then came at five because you know, I had to pack up all my stuff and whatever such short notice. So two of the lads met. It was through a letting agent. He gave them the keys and he literally ran out the door. I didn't even see him. I was there at five. He ran out the door, they said. And then we started to discover what was wrong, which was everything with the... Basically, with the house, like I'm, I'm sure you've seen the pictures. I've the seen the pictures. What, what was it? Was the offer to meet at a certain time at short notice? Say, look, if you want this, get up here straight away, or it's gone. That kind of thing. Yeah, it sounded like that. Like, well, he didn't say it was gone, but it was like, if you want to move in, sure, we were desperate to move in. So he was like, you can move in, literally in three hours. Like we were like, yeah. Obviously, you know, we were desperate to move out or whatever. So we just. Went for it and then I'm, lo- I'm looking at stained mattress here in a, in a picture. I won't, I won't say soil, but obviously the stain came from some sort of soil. Like well, bro- broken broken soil. chair. Is it a chair chair or a table I'm looking at that uh, doesn't look worthy of sitting on? Every chair was broken. The couch was broken. There's a hole in the couch. There's a bar sticking out of the couch. So if you sat into that... Yeah. Uh, You're going to get impaled. Yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, none of the bedroom doors closed. Uh, the windows didn't open, the blinds were broken, there was a vent in one spot, it was just a big hole in the wall that just stuffed a dirty towel in it. Uh, I'm not even going to start on the bin area, I don't even know how many rodents are living in that thing, and if you've seen the video, it's absolutely <sighs> disgusting. I've never, I've never seen anything that bad. Like, And, uh, of course, this is reflected in the very cheap price you were going to get it at, is it? <laughs> I, I wouldn't call 150 a week a cheap price. For how many people? Between five. Okay. And when the two lads met him, he then tried to hit us with, oh, you need to pay extra for electricity and everything. Extra. Uh, I've seen better prisons, like. So it's 600 a month plus bills? Yeah. But that's between that's five true. of you? Yeah, so essentially three grand a month plus. Oh, three grand a month. So it's 150 quid a week well, each. Well, yeah, 150 a week each, like, yeah. Okay, plus bills. Now that's expensive. It's ridiculous, like. Three grand a month. I, I'm looking at the yeah. pictures. It's it's not fit for human habitation. If the pictures are anything to go by, you know the pictures can be, you know, they tell a thousand words, but they can be very selective too. I actually think the pictures do it a bit... <laughs> you think, you think it, it adds a positive light, do you? Was there I broken glass so. in the hall? Yeah, just everywhere. I don't think that hallway has been cleaned in about 10 years. 15, maybe? Look look at it, like the dirt. Okay, so does your search continue? Um, like, yeah, to be honest, I'm looking at a couple of pages on Facebook and stuff, but, like, because the demand is so high, because, you know, there's no holidays, there's no J1s or anything, you know, like, all the student houses and stuff, they were all taken in January, really, to be honest. So. Okay, now we spoke to the letting agent on your behalf, okay, and they said everything was rushed and the tenants wanted to move in straight away. The broken furniture was missed on inspection. The agent said he didn't have time to send in the cleaners, as the guys wanted to be in straight away. Uh, anything that needed fixing would have been sorted once the tenants were in place. Uh, the money was fully refunded as well. Is this true? Uh, the money was refunded, but I don't believe any of the rest of it, to be honest, because he's only saying that now because he's being exposed. Um, like... The furniture is missing inspection. Do you believe that? Uh, looking at the pictures, you would have to be, no offence to the visually impaired, impaired, you would have to be a blind man to miss that. 
Like, you'd want to be missing all of your senses. I don't think a blind man would even miss not, it. Not just, not just your sight, all of them. Smell, <laughs> everything. Rodents. But is, oh. is, isn't it just, it, it really is the result of, of a massive demand and very little supply. Uh, the, you know, well, yeah, the cumulative effect of that is standards, are, standards will drop because demand yeah, outstrips but, supply. Yeah, but there's, there's standards dropping and there's this, like, this, this isn't even, like, a bad standard. This is just subhuman. Like, you, you, you couldn't have someone live there, like... Okay. Listen, the, th- the window th- thanks, open. <laughs> thanks for keeping it generic and, and keeping the, you know, the, the, the letters uh, agent anonymous and keeping the exact location anonymous because... Oh, yeah. Uh, but thanks also for exposing what is probably endemic in, in society today. Well, look, we just wanted to highlight it so no one else... Like, you know, there could be another group of lads be like, oh, look, we saw this online and think, and then they get in the exact same position. Yeah. Because from, from the email, I, and when you said it there, you know, 150 week, uh, a week between five, I said, ah, look, that's only 30 quid a week, okay, you know, but 150 quid a week each. Oh, I meant each, yeah, sorry. Yeah, no sorry. problem. It's, uh, but three grand a month, you'll get a mansion for that, surely. <sighs> you'd get better than that anyway, surely. Like, yeah. like, we weren't expecting the Ritz, like, but like, you weren't expecting the pits either. <laughs> All right, Paddy. Thanks a million. And uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks a million. Paddy Healy uh, and his rogue landlord story or his rogue property story, I suppose. It's amazing what they'll try to try on. And the email and pics and uh, the pictures are just... You couldn't live in the, in the place. But there you go. Uh, mattress in a cruel condition as well from previous soiling. It is coming up on 10 minutes to 10 o'clock. We're back with more from the Neil Prendeville Show in a moment. This is the Neil Prendeville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And a very good morning to you. Don't forget you can call us at any time. 1850 Text 0868 or email neil at redfm.ie. This uh, teacher on her night out doing... Uh, uh, a bit of uh, a doobie has uh, caused a huge reaction. Thinking of reporting my daughter's teacher to management for her behaviour. Now, bear in mind, this is on her private time. Uh, ah, Jesus, Mick, what century are we living in? What? Uh, who does this woman think she is? It's none of her business what her da- daughter's teacher does in her free time. She'd happily report her, but wouldn't say it to her face. What a coward. I worry for her daughter and the way they'll grow up because of a petty devious, narrow-minded mother like that and not her teacher. A little smoke is not dangerous or detrimental to health and has been proven to help with mental health and improving the emotional state. Another texter says regarding the teacher behaving badly according to the mother of the six-year-old she's teaching, ask yourself one question. Is she doing a good job teaching? Is your child learning and happy? She probably needs to be a bit more discreet if she wants to smoke a joint. Uh, If she's doing her job well, I wouldn't like to cost her her job. And uh, there's another mind your own business, you busybody. This teacher has a right to privacy. And there are many more that are coming in. This one has obviously hit a nerve. What were you doing uh, out on a school night? God forbid someone reported you for it. Leave the woman alone. What she does in her own time is her own business. Uh, Maura says it sounds like she stalked her for the night, probably in the hope of catching her out. Uh, Leave it and get over yourself. Uh, Katie says, clearly you got your answer. The moral of the story is to mind your own business. Uh, everyone has their own life uh, to live. Uh, Trina says, uh, give the girl a break. It's not like she's sitting in the middle of the classroom having a joint with the kids. Also, you've no proof it was a joint. You've no proof that the smell, whatever you think was a joint, was coming from her anyway. Uh, and what do you do on a girl's night out? Do you sit down with your rosary beads? I don't think so. 
Mind your own business. And Stephanie says, so you stalk this poor woman on a night out. You really need to have a word, a word with yourself. Nita says, let the girl enjoy herself in her night off. It sounds like you should have sent your child to a convent school. And Christine says, you're out having a few drinks with the girls and letting your hair down. Does that mean you're not a good parent or less of a parent to your child? No, it doesn't. So don't be so quick to judge and mind your own business. These are all going one way, actually. Uh, mind your own business. The teacher has a right to privacy. She's not drunk or stoned while teaching your child. You could potentially ruin this teacher's life with your interference if you're unhappy with any other element. Uh, fair enough, but let the teacher have her own private life. And if you want to comment on that, one eight five zero one zero four one zero six text. 0868104106 or email neil at redfm.ie thinking of reporting my daughter's teacher to management for her behaviour albeit on her private time now this isn't the first fantastic bus driver email we've read uh, but it seems there's a very very big hearted nature in some of the bus drivers that are plying their trade today hi Mick I listen to your show every day but last week one email you read out about a driver from West Cork uh, Connect West Cork Connect caught my attention back in March my daughter got sick on his bus, and unlike some other drivers, the driver showed great understanding and patience with my daughter. He heard her get sick, and before she could start cleaning it up herself, he was down the bus to her to make sure she was okay. My daughter was terrified he was going to ask her to get off and leave her there, but no, he didn't do that. Instead, he let her off for some air while he cordoned off the seats and put newspaper on the floor to stop it spreading. He sat her up the front of the bus, gave her a bottle of water he had in his bag and told her not to worry and to let him know if she was going to be sick again, uh, which she was. But this time she told the driver he stopped the bus and uh, let her get on the steps of the bus and uh, off the bus uh, to get sick in the grass by the side of the road. The best thing, it was pouring rain and he stood behind her holding an umbrella while over her while she was sick. An absolutely fantastic driver and I'm forever grateful to him. Uh, it took me a while to find out, but it was Finbar driving for West Cork Connect. When my daughter got off in Clannacilty, he made sure she was okay before he left the bus stop. Uh, it ended up she had food poisoning. But please pass on my sincerest thanks to him and keep up the great service, says James. News at 10 is on the way. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And by text, we are getting a volume of response to the uh, teacher issue. Uh, Keith says, it sounds to me like the teacher is a well-rounded and together person. Primary teachers study very hard to get the qualification to teach kids. And the fact she has a social life and enjoys herself tells me she's perfect for the job. I just hope that child learns more from the teacher and doesn't learn the narrow-minded and judgmental bitterness displayed from the mammy. Uh, why would anybody want to go out of their way to potentially end a young person's career all because she doesn't conform to what mammy perceives as good behaviour? Catherine says, firstly, what uh, the teacher does in her spare time is none of your business. Teachers are human too, and God knows they need stress relief from dealing with our little darlings. Secondly, how do you know it was a joint? It could have been just a roly. Uh, Leanne says, as long as she's not drinking or smoking weed while in the presence of your child, everything should be okay. What she does in her personal time is absolutely none of your business. And there's a few more. Philip says, you must report her immediately to achieve the moral high ground. Think how satisfying it'll be to have ruined that girl's life. Get over yourself and mind your own business. Uh, Melissa says, that woman's private life is exactly that, private. 
and what she does outside of her professional life is nobody's business but hers. Uh, who are you to judge anyone? You live your life and let her live hers. And Yvonne says she's a teacher by profession, but remember, she's also a human being and has a right to a life outside of her career. Natalie says it's, this is almost 100% against the reporting. Uh, I think it is 100%. Why report her, says Natalie? Uh, she was not at school. and I'm sure there were no children in the bar with her. I've met teachers out just as I meet parents or the cashier of my local supermarket. Please don't be reporting this woman. She most certainly does not deserve it. Sharon says, listen to your friend and leave it. You could ruin her career. And if you didn't have an issue with her as a teacher before last night, then you've no reason to have an issue with her now. What she does in her spare time is not impacting you or your daughter and is therefore none of your business. As far as I'm aware, yesterday was a bank holiday and a non-school day. That came in uh, from... Who was that again? Margaret, uh, Jerry, uh, everyone is entitled to ru- run their life and uh, it isn't easy for a person to teach 30 to 40 kids in a classroom. When he or she are off work, they can do whatever they want by having a drink or a smoke. It could have been a roll-up cigarette. Uh, roll your own cigarette and not a joint. And I'd be careful what you say about someone. It could end you up in court for defamation of character. One final one, so it's okay for the mother to be out boozing on a Monday night, but teachers aren't allowed to have a life, is it? Now then, Graham's in line one. Hi, Graham. Hi, Mick. How are you getting on? Very good. 100%, I think. Mind your own business is what we're getting on the texts. Would you agree? Yeah. Proper order, too. Absolutely none of her business. And obviously saying that as a teacher. Um, as long as she's effectively doing her job, then what she does is her private life is... As plenty of the, look, as all the other people said, I more worry for the uh, child that she ends up like her mother than she ends up like the teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, it does... I mean, uh, you, you know, as much as there are boundaries around privacy when people are on private time and in their own personal uh, recreation time... Um, there's also responsibility, uh, you know, of the teacher to impart knowledge, and that's in the classroom time. So, where do we draw the line? At, at what? Let, let's say she was smoking a joint, essentially, school, essentially committing a crime, day. right? Where, where, where do we draw the line? Do we draw the line at, at the the school day? Heavier drugs? Do we draw the line at drink driving? Do we draw the line at? We, we draw the line at the end of the school day. Is the person doing their job competently? And again, given that. The, now, I'm probably reading too much into the nature of the person making the complaint. It probably isn't as bad as people are paying her up to be. But um, probably regret, regretting sending that into you now. But, um, <laughs> probably, yes. I'm fair, she probably is. Um, but look, if it, I've got a feeling if the teacher was not doing a competent job, she would have added that detail. So yes, the teacher, if, if there were any I'm suspicions. Presume, that, you know, I've always had suspicions that this teacher wasn't up to scratch. Uh, in that, you know, be something there's like some that, evidence, yeah. my, you know, my daughter's coming yeah. home with scrappy homework and, and, and scrappy knowledge of subjects and this and that. And then my fears were compounded because, ooh, she's yeah. uh, partaking uh, in illegal drugs. Yeah, uh, but also, also being that, it, it's a joint, or at least maybe it was. Was it a rollie? Mm. Was, did, she, did she just smell it and you're in a smoking room? So that could be anybody. And look, it's just, it's absolutely none of our business. It's a massive overreaction. And to be perfectly honest, if she does make this complaint, it'll go absolutely nowhere. And oh, oh, it can't because who, not, nothing I'm can be proved. Board the management. Mm-hmm. Like, nothing will happen to that teacher. Um, she probably has to have a conversation she doesn't want to have to have. That's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it shouldn't have to happen. All right? People have their own private lives. As long as they're competent doing their job and educating your child well, then... I mind your own, like everyone else said, mind your own business. Mm-hmm. Can, can I just venture, because you, you can confuse smells as well, uh, can I just venture, if a rugby player was standing next to them smoking, and that rugby player had been involved in altercations on the pitch, shall we say, and had grass-stained socks, uh, shorts, or, 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 or a top, that, that grass can be mistaken for the other grass. <laughs> Pardon the pun. In smell. Uh, yeah. 
I guess it's just, I mean, you're not, it goes absolutely nowhere and you're not making any solid case out of, I smelt something. So no, that doesn't stand up anywhere. Not that it end, this is a kind of a court kind of situation because it's not going anywhere near that. But um, yeah, look, the woman needs to think more carefully about setting a better example for her daughter. And that better example would be minding your own business and potentially not stalking teachers on nights out because that's just weird. Yeah, let me get back to one of the lines here, right? As the night went on, I saw what she, uh, saw what she was at. She was getting very drunk and very rowdy. Yeah, what's rowdy? Mm-hmm. If, she, if, she was, if she was getting very drunk and very rowdy, she'd be kicked out of the pub. That's just by this woman's definition. It's entirely subjective. So let's be real. She doesn't sound like the best crack in the world. Um, so she's off judging other people who are having more fun. <laughs> okay, look, in the interest of balance, I want to read these two texts. So you might stay with me, Graham, and see what you think of these. Hi, Mick, I wouldn't like her teaching my daughter. If this is her crazy her carry-on outside of class, what's she like in school? There are certain ways to behave yourself when you're in certain careers, like a teacher, politician, and counsellor. The more we overlook bad behaviour, the more our societal standards slip. In certain professions, like teaching, you have to lead by example. A teacher is seen as a role model. Would you like this person as a role model to your child? Now, I know that's bringing in private time versus recreation time. There's one more here, Graham. I, w- I, would, I would report her uh, if she was teaching my kids. It's not acceptable. Who's to say she's not smoking it on her lunch breaks too, uh, says Rena. Um, where in the school is she going to be doing that? I mean, that's just fucking nuts. And the idea that um, this teacher or my profession is meant to be held to a higher standard than other people, why? No. We do a job, Do if we do it competently, um, and you're doing it well, then that, that you should be held to the same standards as anybody else, nothing yeah. higher. Okay, you're a teacher yourself, Graham, yeah? I am, yeah. I'm okay. A teacher. Yeah, and um, how would you feel if you felt uh, a parent of one of your pupils was eyeing you in the pub or... Uh, you know. I'd ignore them. If they were, now again, if it was anyone of uh, my parents, I've met my students' parents out, I'd go over and say hi, because I have a good relationship with them, and I get on with them. Yeah. But if, they, if it was carrying on this kind of behaviour, all judgmentally, I'd ignore I'd Excuse me, aren't you, aren't you drinking a bit much to be teaching little Johnny in the morning? In which case, I'd probably drop, drop a Jägermeister into my pint and down it. I'd probably make a pint of showing up, to be honest. Yeah, here, here's, here's, here's one more, Graham. You have a job as a teacher to be a role model. Some clowns texting in saying that the parent should mind her own business. Uh, if my parent's teacher uh, is putting smoke, uh, is caught smoking joints, well, that's uh, not the type of person I want teaching my child. The young teachers these days are different to the past when I was in school. They couldn't care less for the future of kids. Do a job and get paid with the least amount of effort possible. And you're going to hate this one, the maximum amount of holidays. Oh, I love that stuff. Anytime somebody points it out, oh, God, you have three months off. I don't. I'm a secondary school teacher. I have five months. And you sh- I only work 22 hours a week, and you should hear about my pension details. Now, none of that is entirely true, but, I mean, if someone's going to start making up stuff, I just lean into it as opposed to try and explain. That's no brilliant. Fact. Oh, yeah. And, and you should see the perks and the benefits and the free trips oh, we absolutely. get to Lanzarote and stuff. Yeah. Uh, just look, the idea, and uh, even the notion of that, sorry, you don't get to pick your child's teacher. It's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You get to pick the school, but you don't, you don't get to pick the teacher. And you're never going to. You seem to have a, a healthy and open-minded attitude, Graham, to be an educator, if I might say so. You seem to... I, I, would, have, I would venture you enjoy your profession, do you? I love my job. It's great crack. No, not every day and every minute of it, like, uh, but I couldn't be ha- happier in my job. Now, that's very easy to say at the start of June when I'm off the next three months. <laughs> very good. Well, that's very honest of you. So, have, have you got students going through the uh, first of the exams today? Uh, well, no, I um, run a number of um, autism classes in a secondary school, but I do, actually. Um, 
not that they're listening right now because uh, they're doing their exams, but best of luck to them and everybody else at that. Okay, and just in, in general, because, you know, there are parents listening who've sent little Johnny or little Mary out today and uh, they might have different levels of stress or different levels of approach, I suppose. Well, of course. Uh, well, what's, what's, your, yeah, what's your general advice to people facing exams, to youngsters facing exams? Well, especially to, uh, facing them now, you have an automatic security net. If you go into that exam and you made a mess of it, and as a teacher, I've gone into exams and made a mess of them, it doesn't matter because, you, well, not that it doesn't matter, but it matters significantly less because you already have your predictive grade. You can't be 100% certain of what that was, but you know the results you got in your assessment. You know the results you have in more recent exams. So unless the department mess with that, which they can do, but it gives you a reasonably good idea what kind of area you're in. So if you go in and do better in the exam, brilliant. But if you and make the exam goes against you, for whatever reason, it doesn't go well then it, it's nothing like the impact it would have had previously. So just, have that just for clarity, Graham, uh, students can go in and chance the exam, is it? And if they don't do well, they can just not, not submit the paper up to the, up, up to the top know, of the class, it, is it? Submit, no, submit it, give it in. But I mean, let's say you make a complete aims of it and you get 50% where you'd normally get 80 in that subject. Well, then your predictive grade, there's a very good chance it'll be in, around, in and around what you would normally get. So you get to, you get to keep the higher grade. Ah, okay, that's good. That would take an enormous yeah, amount of pressure off, yeah, off youngsters it's, it's, these it's days. It's a very significant safety net in all subjects. Yeah, okay. Uh, so how many people do you think as a percentage will actually sit physically sit the exams? I think the majority are sitting something. The question is how many would sit, like, let's say all six or seven? I would say very few. Mm-hmm. Would be doing, uh, I know one student doing that. Okay, and that's because they probably want 600 points, is it? Uh, well, they're just hoping to do well. And they're like, look, I'll chance my arm at everything. Um, and, you know, one, two of them might be hired my predictive grade. That adds an extra few points and helps with college applications. Mm-hmm. Well, Graham, you sound like a guy I'd love to have teaching my children uh, if they were young enough, no matter what Thanks you did in, in your private time. Thanks very much. Thanks a million, Graham. All right, you were going. Cheers. Thanks. Bye bye. Uh, Kathleen, good morning to you. Hi, Kathleen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Do you think that um, woman is extremely dangerous to you? Yeah, I would extremely. And I think she's a busybody. And she should be minding her own business and keep the focus on herself on her night out and not on others, what they do on their night out. I think she's an awful chick. It's terrible. She's, she's a disgrace in my eyes. She's appalling. She shouldn't be doing that uh, to people when she's out uh, watching and nosing into their lives, whatever they get up to, you know? Well, she, she's out yeah. herself. Then isn't she entitled to some element of... You know, the ability to go out on a school night and people are saying, Here's, what's she doing out in a school night? She has every right to be out in a school night. Uh, hasn't she every right to observe her child's teacher's behaviour? Whether she has the right now to uh, become judge, jury and executioner and put the person's career at risk is, is the real topic here. Yeah, that's why, I say, that's why I'm saying she's uh, very she's dangerous and interfering and... Um you know, she shouldn't be doing what she's doing. I kind of making assumptions on other people. And I say she wants to take out the plank in her own, her own eye to see the speck of dust in another's eye. Because say, she's making assumptions on other people. Okay, say that again. I haven't heard that one before. She should, she should take out plank out of her own eye to see the speck of dust in other people's eye. Okay, in other that's words, enough. what problems is she coming from behind and making her assumptions, you know? Okay, so um, she's on her night out, the teacher's on a night out, and that there the twain should never meet. Uh, let, let there be barriers between, you know, say hello and, and, and chat to your child's teacher, of course. But don't put yourself in a position where you think you can, oh, I must report that. I don't want that type of person teaching my child. 
Absolutely. She's no right whatsoever to do that. You know, the teacher is having a night out. She's enjoying herself. She's no different than when nurses are on the night out. I mean, there could be a complaint about nurses on the night out as well. So, oh, but but as, as, as a mother, maybe she has a very, very strict... Uh, objection to drugs and maybe as a teacher and as another adult and human being, the teacher has a very laissez-faire, you know, just easy-going, happy days, I'll have a smoke if I want. I think I think the mother that's um, worried about her daughter is uh, is living a very over-strict life and I think the teacher is letting her hair down, enjoying herself and why not? And like, you know, she's out on her own time, she's enjoying her own time off and I would say, you know, keep enjoying herself and keep doing what she's doing and let the mother worry about her own life and, and you know, things of what she needs to worry about in her life and stop interfering in other people's life because there's plenty of those people out there, Mick. Okay. There is plenty of people like that out there that will interfere, try to put their foot down and draw trouble on other pe- for other people in their lives. These people are out there. Okay, a, te- a texture says that they're reading something into my conversation to say, uh, Mick, can we also take it you are not in favour of the proposed random drug testing of Gardaí once they do the drugs on their own time? It's fine, uh, says Paul. Uh, would you be in favour of that? Random drug testing for Gardaí? I know there is uh, serious objections to it in the force. Um, well, I there is no proof that that girl was smoking a joint. You need to have the proof. I always say you need proof before you can make that assumption. Again, it might have been somebody was there earlier. Um, it, it, it might have been the circle she was in, but I would not like to point uh, the finger unless like, you had the proof of it that she was smoking the joint. It's an assumption. Yes. The, the woman is making an assumption, and that is never strong enough. It's an assumption. It's a kind of... Um, you it's, know, it's an assumption based on smell, which is pretty subjective. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I, I would call her. Maybe she wants to look at herself a bit more because I'd say she might so- be suffering from a bit of paranoia on other people's lives and what they do. And she wants to start looking at herself on why she needs to interfere uh, like that in the child's life. Because I'm sure when the child is going to school, that other pe- other teachers in there will see what's going on, you know. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have any fear around of myself anyway whatsoever. OK. Kathleen, thanks for that. Okay, thanks, Mick. Thanks, okay. Uh, 1850-104-106. Uh, if you want to call us, you can text 0868-104-106. And uh, we have uh, Pat on line six. Good morning, Pat. Good morning, Mick. No, different topic completely. Different topic, Mick. Um, I was wondering which the 165 TDs that we have, they've been given an allowance, to my knowledge, for their offices that have been closed for the last 12 months. They also have an allowance for um, an assistant, in most cases they are family members. And I was wondering, are they still claiming that, considering their offices have been, as I said, closed to the public, um, it's exceptionally hard if you even phone them to get an answer. And I was wondering, does anyone know what's going on? Okay, 165 TDs of the Doyle. I imagine if their offices are closed, Pat, they would still have to pay the rent. Albeit they're paying the rent, but... Um, and I would imagine know, if, I mean, if, if they have somebody working remotely, 
on on their affairs of their constituency and making appointments and and that sort of making you know accepting representations from the public would for you, various would like, would that they would like still have to pay the, that staff. But would you like to randomly ring? We say a dozen TDs in Cork and see if we can get through to any any of their offices. Okay, yeah. maybe it's something we could do. A dozen TDs in Cork. Um, not do all of them have a constituency office? Most most of the TDs would, but I mean, I'm not saying there's only a dozen TDs. What I'm saying is, if you randomly speak, try and contact a dozen TDs, how many how many of them will you get through to? How many of the offices, remotely or whatever? Okay. I mean. COVID is with us since March of 2020, even slightly before that. Most people would have said it would have been with us. Maybe since Christmas, the year before. In 2019, most people would say we had COVID in Ireland. We didn't know it. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's let's see. Mick, Mick, while you're while you're there, can I can I um, ask you something else there? And I won't name names or anything like that. Okay, I'll be very careful. Um, I have a dispute on with people there. Then a company that I used to work with, and I have it's, it's before the Workplace Relations Commission. All right. Mm-hmm. Now it's in a recent Supreme Court decision. Um, these cases were being remotely held for the last since this year uh, by Zoom, and um, the Supreme Court has ruled you know, that that's legal and it can't be used anymore. What so Zoom, Zoom call knowledge. contributions not not being admissible? Is it? No, what they want is they want the cases held in public, and they want uh, the two parties to swear an oath. But also from my from my inquiries, I've been sort of told that I could take another twelve months for it to pass through the houses of the Arctus. Now I'm waiting a considerable time to um to get a hearing from the WRC. Now they'll tell me COVID has been there and so on, but okay. that doesn't help the, that doesn't help help the person that's complaining. Can I ask you to write specifically, um, Pat, to neil at redfm.ie and we look at the case uh, on, its, on its individual merits rather than discuss it in front of uh, the general yeah, public and then we can, get, my, we can dig into it a bit deeper for you maybe. What my point, what my point would be, Mick, is how is it that the decision that was made very recently by the Supreme Court, how, how is it that these, that'll take 12 months what I've been told to pass through the tide. The person that's complaining is the person that's discommoded. Yes. You can't see a TD because they are using COVID like you'd use a shield. None of them want to see you. None of them want to do anything for you. Let me put it like this, Mick. With all the Doyle parties, all the major parties in the Doyle, have you heard any of them prior to the attack on the HSC, the cyberspace attack? Have you ever heard any of them mention that these things should have been predicted prior to it happening? Because I haven't. No, it's, it's, it's obvious that the firewall or the protections uh, were not in place. That the, It's obvious. No, and it's been publicized. The hackers were inside the system for about two weeks before they uh, extracted the information. But yet, Mick, you have three parties in government at the moment. 
each party leader would have several, several advisors. Or is that between the whole army, they couldn't come up with something simple. Well, I, isn't that evidence of the lack of spending in general across the health services? That's why we have uh, had such severe lockdowns. Uh, to, the, the lockdowns were to keep the, the emergency capability and emergency beds from from crashing over their um, their capacity, really. So, and and that's a product of underinvestment in the health service. Now, any, any TD that sits in front of me here will say, "But we invested heavily in the health service." Um, but that that's 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 not to say yes. That's not to say the money was best used. The money was put in, but it was uh, to me anyway. It's evident it was taken up by layer upon layer of admin, uh, and not in the actual equipment and 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 front. You know, they say. Um, you know, it, we, we, we have a shortage of beds. It's not a shortage of beds. It's, it's a shortage of, of people to manage you know, on a 24-7 basis, the person in that bed and all the ancillary services. And that's where uh, it's I was hoping to talk to Simon Harris this week and uh, he's a former Minister for Health, of course, and uh, we still hope that that will happen. Sure, so we're working on that. He was me, yes, he was Minister for Health as well, yeah. There's been many and it's 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 the constant chestnut, you know, that the the health service is never really adequately invested in, and uh, any money that goes in is is, is drained by admin. Uh, Pat, I'll leave it there, but listen, will you write to me specifically, and uh, we'll pick it up on neil at redfm.ie, and we'll see if we can help you specifically, all right? Thanks a million, Pat. Okay. The Neil Prenderville Show, on Twitter, at neilredfm. And the debate continues about the uh, demarcation, I suppose, between uh, teaching time and private time. George is on line one. Good morning, George. Good morning, Michael. How are you? I'm very good. Now, you think a teacher should not be caught breaking the law? I don't think you should be caught breaking the law. No, because she's a teacher. And, uh, and, so, and surely uh, that sets an example purely purely by that action. Uh, and it could affect her career if the, um, if the law were to get involved. She could get a warning. She could get, uh, she could get, a, criminal, um, uh, she could get a criminal conviction because of it. Yeah, on, on the basis of provision of the burden of proof, it's never going to go to court because it's only no, no, it's only subjective if, if she was sure, smoking or not. I'm sure this, I'm sure this woman um, is completely innocent, and she has no, um, you know, there, there was no, there's no way of knowing. As they said, like it could be a rollie, it could be anything. But but the but the point in question is um, from the from the rebuff you got from it uh, online uh, and uh, on um, on your show. Um, there was a lot of people saying, mind your own business. There was people saying, be careful what you say, because you could be, you could be sued for def- uh, defamation of character. You know, so there's a lot of people who are supportive of her to, have, to be able to do what she likes in private, even if it is breaking the law. So I think more of what the question should be in this instance is, how many people out there agree that smoking hash uh, or weed is okay, and should they maybe do something uh, alternative, like go to change.org and get a petition together, get 100,000 people to sign this petition, and get the uh, government to debate and vote on making it legal to, uh, to, smoke, um, to smoke these substances. Therefore, you know, then that would, this would never come into the frame again, and people wouldn't be so sort of like up in arms about why can't this girl do what she likes when she leaves when she leaves her work why can't she do that are, are you anti-drugs george are you anti-recreational I'm, yeah, I'm drugs 
Well, at, at my age, yes, I am. Uh, I'm anti-drugs because, um, you know, in, in, uh, in my lifetime, you know, uh, when I was young, I've tried various things. You know, I'm sure most people have. But I don't think that it's something that um, is for me. It doesn't make me feel... Um, uh, you know, if you were to smoke a, a bit of um, grass or something, then uh, for me, all it does is just make me feel anxious. You know, so I, I haven't done that for hundreds of years, you know, because, um, because I, don't, I don't pay into it. Uh, but, you know, but there are people out there that are leading normal lives on it. And are still intellectual. You get you get some of the you get some of the most intellectual and artistic people in the world who have been doing this all their lives. But then, of course, the other side of it is now they're saying there's more HT cells or something being put into the the marijuana that's grown, and it's become more of a narcotic than just a um, a relaxation thing. Yeah, and I'm, listen, uh, George, I'm, I'm sure the publican who has a legal obligation to run an orderly premises would not take too kindly to somebody caught smoking drugs on the premises. No, now, if if the guardie had caught the teacher uh, in possession. Uh, for instance, smoking and and uh, if there was a search conducted and she was found to be in possession, that's kind of a different story, isn't it? Because then there's going to be a conviction, and then that completely might affect her career. Yes, completely and utterly. If they were to search her and they were to find the substance on her on her person, uh, on her person, then then yes, it, it would be an issue for her. Um, perhaps not, you know. Perhaps it could be a warning there and then, you know, um, that this was like reported. Or maybe it could go further. Uh, we don't know anything. You know, you get pulled over in your car. Uh, you know, there's a chance you get a speeding fine because they followed you, or they could give you a warning. You know, they, uh, they could they could fine you for having your back lights out, or they could just tell you to look after that. Uh, uh, so they could put her in her place, or they could do something about it, like anything to do with the law, apart from what, what about Gardaí who have uh, you know who have uh, their own private lives and their own um, recreation time. Should they be drug tested randomly to prove that they're whiter than white, holier than everybody else? Um, I don't know what that would mean if I was to say yes or no. I would think that um, I don't think that they should randomly be tested because then that opens it up. If they're being randomly tested, just you know, just anyway, then um, then here comes nineteen eighty four, you know, where everybody's just randomly vaccinated. <laughs> You know, so I, so I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think the Garda should, um, uh, you know, I, I, I imagine like, you know, the Garda actually do it themselves, if, if that is the case. You know, they may be the ones that might say, um, look, look, just don't do this. If you're going to do this, do this at home. Yeah, Don't be buying it anyway. You're not supposed to be. It's illegal. Yeah, just go on your way yeah, and, and stop doing it. Off you go. You know, yeah, because I, I know they randomly uh, test in many multinationals. They randomly test in the army. They randomly test in the um, uh, in the seagoing I mean, services, I mean, shall we say? Maybe different. My, you know, if they're about to go into battle, but then um, I suppose there's an argument there to say that you know to calm their nerves if it if it does that. I imagine airline yeah, pilots are randomly tested. Maybe I'm wrong. Ooh, airline pilots should be tested. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Every time, yes, okay then, if we're going to go anywhere on this, let's go there. Airline pilots should be tested for any kind of substance in their body. Okay. okay. Because it's, 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 an interesting, it's an interesting construct as to who should be 
obliged to be, uh, you know, accepting random testing? Um, is it guards? Is it teachers? Airline pilots, possibly? Well, the weight of moral conviction is yes, we should, because they're transporting at high speed and at high precision two or three hundred people at a time. Uh, is it really necessary for a guard as Shikana to be randomly tested to fulfill their duties? I'm just putting the question out there. People are welcome to answer. what you say. Yeah, okay. George, thanks a million. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thanks a million. All the best. Uh, now, we're going to change topic, but a nice little segue here because um, uh, Graham may be able to offer a personal perspective on what we were talking about. Good morning, Graham. Hi, Mick. How are you? Now, yeah, you, you may have some experience in, uh, in what we were talking about there. Would you like to comment on whether you feel random testing is, uh, you know, should be mandatory in the Gardaí corner, or would you feel that the, the teacher was right or wrong to be out and socialising uh, and perhaps using uh, illegal substances? Well, I firstly think that no one is in a position to judge anyone else in what they do in their life, regardless of the label that you assign to them, a guard, uh, a teacher, you know, uh, a mechanic. I don't think it matters, really. Um, With regards random drug testing, what's the person trying to achieve? You know, I absolutely agree that airline pilots should be randomly drug tested. And we've thought you've just touched on that. There's two, three hundred people their lives are in that person's control and what that person is doing and, and their ability to be aware in that moment. Um, I would say it's the intentions behind it. What are they trying to achieve by randomly drug testing the guards? Okay. It, it all depends. You, you know. You've personal experience in, in the area of use and you're quite open about it. Now you're in recovery for four years. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. You want to tell me a little about your own journey? Yeah, um, I actually started taking drugs when I was 11 and alcohol at 12. And it's just, it just completely spiralled out of control. Now, I had an underlying mental health condition that I did not know about at that time. So the two of them combined was basically a recipe for disaster. And my life played out that way from that point on. Addictive personality, do you think? Um, No, I think that, I think there was, elements of trauma involved and you know we, we were always focusing and, and obviously you know the American government is, is really putting their energy and focus into this the war on drugs I'm always baffled by that because I believe personally that their point of focus is on the wrong side of a coin and what I mean by that is drugs work by supply and demand so their focus is on the supply the actual physical presence of drugs that's the wrong area to focus upon. So supply and demand. Supply is always going to be there. You see them, you see videos of them burning massive amounts of cannabis leaves and, and so on and so forth. It's always going to come back around. Why? Because it's a manufacturing business. It's always going to be there. But the other side of that coin is the demand. And that's coming from the person who is about to make a choice to take those drugs. Sure. Now, and if, if, if you kill the supply, there's always going to be the demand to, to regenerate yeah. the supply. But if you kill the demand, there's no point in supply. Exactly. You know, like, drugs are there, but the real reason is why that person wants to use the drugs. And I believe it all comes down to we all, yourself, myself included, we've all experienced some form of trauma. Now, trauma isn't a big, massive thing. It doesn't have to be a big, huge trauma. There's a thing called mild traumas as well. And that's normally, 99% of the time, why someone feels the need to reach out. They're trying to escape themselves, and that's what addiction is. It's a non-acceptance of the here and now. In other words, I don't like this feeling. I want a better one. Okay. That's, that's the why. That's why people use drugs. Now, 
the other 1% of, of the reasoning is just curiosity. You know, oh, I've heard about this and that gives you a certain feeling. I want to try that. But it, it's supply and demand. And, and if you can get to the root of why someone wants to use or feels the need to use, I think that's where the answer is like. Basically, I would, I would like to see a mass healing taking place. Imagine the amount of energy, money and everything invested in the right area, which is the demand and the person, a person-centred approach. I think we'd live in a different world. Uh-huh. Isn't it going to be very hard to kill demand, though, when essentially a lot of drugs are being used because, and I'm not being flippant about this, but because they're great fun? Or that's yeah, what yeah. people feel. Yeah, no, like, I'm not going to lie, they are great fun while you're on them. But there's two parts to that process. So one is while you're on them, and the second is when those chemicals are leaving your body. Mm. And I'm not talking about all drugs, I'm talking about, you know, the majority of them. The second part is when they're leaving your body. And that's the horrible part. That's the part that brings you down, that's the part that makes you, well, personally, I'm speaking from experience here, makes you question your life, makes you question your decisions, makes you question everything that you're doing. And feeling if you got more drugs, then these questions would be sorted in your brain. I, I, there I, is this like love addiction. That's exactly what it is. I, mean, I, I heard a comment once, Graham, that cocaine instantly makes you feel like a better man, and the first thing a better man wants is more cocaine. Yeah. It's the cycle of addiction. So if you take drugs, feel good, then the process of them leaving your body, and then you feel like crap, and as we know, addiction is escaping from what you're currently feeling. So you go, oh, I feel like crap. I want to feel better again. So you take more. And it's just the cycle of addiction. It's this loop that keeps continuing continuing over and over and over again until you either reach out or you get the help that you deserve okay. for some people. You know? there, there are different elements at play now than were at play in the addiction, shall we say, of the 70s and 80s. Uh, and that especially is social media. Yeah, could you repeat that again, Mick? Sorry, are you just kind of... There are different elements at play in, in the addictions of today. Social media is playing a big part uh, in fueling some of the addictions and fueling the availability and fueling the illicit supply. Uh, I, I would believe so, yeah. And I have to make it clear as well, Mick, that like, not everyone who takes drugs is an addict. You know, we have to, we have to I suppose, break that down and make that clear. Just because you use alcohol and drugs doesn't mean you're an addict. You know, and to get back to your point with social media, it is. I mean, even if you look at modern entertainment, I mean, you see rappers all the time, you know, smoking cannabis. You see, you know, you hear stories of of celebrities and stuff like that getting caught with drugs or or being out of their head and and being photographed and everything else. And this stuff is just circulating left, right and centre all the time. And we as human beings are being exposed to that 24-7. That's why... Personally, I have come off social media. Um, that isn't the major reason, obviously, but that we're constantly being exposed to the social media world. And if you're on it long enough, that becomes the new norm for you. How long are you off? I'm off. I came off Facebook last year, towards the end of last year. I think it was around October, November last year. And I came off of Instagram about a month ago. So, yeah, I only went back on the other day just to Facebook just to make a a big post um, with regards to mental health and what I'll be doing moving forward on social media in general. But I do believe that we all deserve or need breaks from social media. We need to come back to the real world at times as well. You know, it's a, it's a dopamine playground is what I call it. It's the constant dopamine hit. You're looking for the next big story that will give you that certain dopamine hit or that feeling. And a lot of us aren't even aware that we 
are addicted to it at points, you know. Okay, Graham, Thank can you, you stay with me for a moment? I just need to take a break. And your, your story is fascinating. And I, I've got a couple of questions I'd like to ask you. If you can stay with me just uh, over the course of the ad break, and I'll come right back to you. Thanks. Text The Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And back to continue our conversation with Graham McCormack. Thanks for holding, Graham. You're in recovery for four years, uh, just in case people have just uh, tuned in. You're also off social media. I'm just trying to get to the crux and the, the centre of where you're at at the moment. Uh, it seems like you've you, you've put the, the use of drugs behind you. It seems like you've had in my, maybe an overarching problem with trying to do too much for too many people via social media. And so you've kind of put that aside now to concentrate on you. Would that be fair enough? Yeah, that's absolutely spot on. It is indeed. So you've moved on. You were doing a bit of life coaching. You're a former MMA athlete. Uh, did you give up the, the training in that regard? Or is it just a hobby or what? Um, not that I gave it up. I think it was taken from me, in a way. Okay. Um, I, since I last fought in 2012, there was new medical re- regulations brought in. So you had to have GP clearance, um, you had to have clean bloods, and you had to have an MRI in your brain. So clean bloods was fine, GP clearance was fine, but a red flag showed up on my MRI, on my brain, so I had to see a neurologist. And wow, okay. Yeah, safe, no. safer not to do that anymore. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, okay. I'm a father as well, so of course. Yeah. Okay, you have to consider the bigger picture and the helicopter view, really. So you've moved on a bit from life coaching because you felt it was, you know, there's probably hundreds of thousands of people looking for, for answers and for you to help them. That's also draining. So you've stopped all of the draining elements in your life to concentrate on you. So where to from here? Where to from here? I, on that post, I ended it with focusing on me. Um, and what I meant by that was basically, you know, with with coaching, you can, well, with coaching and what I was doing on social media, you can lose yourself. Um, you put others first. And it just went on too long. It went on for years, to be honest. And I had lost myself. It was interfering with my daily life. I mean, I was waking up in the morning going, how can I serve others today? Or what can I post on social media today that will help others? And I'd done it for years. Now, if I was doing that for a couple of weeks, and I was questioning, uh, you know, that would be different. But it was going on for years. And I honestly feel that I have, I've done enough in that space. Um, I've done enough that sits well in my own heart. And it's something that I just could not continue long term. Mm-hmm. So you, you so, don't feel it's in any way selfish giving it up. It would be selfish for you to continue it because it's, it's draining and drawing from you. It's, it's like I'm a massive promoter of, of, of kindness, um, thinking of others. But I'm also an even bigger supporter of putting you first always imagine a world like where we actually started to put ourselves first and we filled up our own cup fully to the brim over poured and then we started to give to others my cup was practically drained when I started to first give to others and it just didn't end well I had a breakdown in 2019 my mental health was in a bad place again after doing all the work that I had to get myself to a place where I was satisfied and then for it to be you know, for me to go back to that space, I was like, okay, I really started to reflect and question then. But I continued it on. And I've, as as you know, and as everyone knows there now, that I've come off social media since last year and I've had lots of time to reflect on me and just what I want out of life, where I want to go. What does Graham, you know, as I said, I've lost my, I had lost my sense of self. You know, I had lost my sense of what I liked, what I disliked, you know, my preferences, 
you know, I just started to lose myself. So it's been and, and you said you're a dad, so so that must have impacted, uh, you know, fatherhood as well. If you if you can't find yourself, how can you properly navigate your children through life? No, absolutely, and you know that's why I said it, it, it's impacted on my relationships in general. I mean, my daughter would be, you know, dad, can we do this? And I'd be, you know, a typical thing, and it's it's a thing that comes up all the time for me whenever I'm on social media. Is like two minutes of I'm doing a post, mm. and I'm writing content on social media, and that could take twenty minutes. And then the next thing, the moment has passed when my daughter wants to do something, and I just missed out an opportunity to connect with my daughter there. You know, and is that reconnection happening? Yeah, it is. Yeah, definitely. A bit too much now. She's all over me like a monkey on <laughs> my back. And stuff. But well, that's good. You've, you've come to a good place. You also say in the post you found two new career paths. Do you want to elaborate on that a little? Yes. Yeah, so they, they, they both kind of intertwine into the space of e-commerce. So online sales, um, basically online retail. Uh-huh. It's a space I've been interested in for a long time. And with the pandemic, it just made sense. And it, it's a space where I personally don't have to give too much of my time. Uh-huh. And that's a very, that's a value of mine is my time because for years, now this is not true, but for years when I was in chaos, as I call it, I was just so self-absorbed and caught up in myself that it was all about me. And I barely spent time with anyone. I was too busy uh-huh. with my finger on the self-destruct button. And now personally, I'm trying to make up for that. So I value time. That's one of my values moving forward in my career and in life is I value my time with others. So thankfully I have a lot more of that now and it's not like I'm gone from the mental health space completely. I specifically But you're just focusing on you. Uh, Time time is up I'm afraid. Graham it's been lovely to talk to you and I could continue to do so but we wish you all the very best and continue to focus on you and, and, and well done for all you've put behind you and for all you've given and for all that you will be in the future. Thanks a million Graham McCormick. Thank you very much, Mick. I really appreciate it. No problem. Uh, We've got news at 11 on the way. Thanks, Graham. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. You're listening to the Emerald Award-winning Music Station of the Year, Cork's Red FM. And uh, I want to deal with this because if I don't do it now, the programme will take over and I won't get to it, OK? I wish Helen Connolly in two Ashburton Hill and Montanati happy birthday and mentioned in the text that her daughter had even written a poem for her and I never read the poem. So here it is. Mother, Mother, you're so wonderful in everything you do. It brings me great joy to say happy birthday to you. As we look at this day, the day that you were born, there's nothing I'd rather wish you but to be happy and informed. So go enjoy your birthday treat and love your life so far because no matter what the day, you'll always be my star. Love your daughter, Tracy Conley. And once again, happy birthday to Helen Conley in 2 Ashburton Hill in Montanati. Now, on random drug tests, Mick, I was a member of the Defence Forces for 43 years. I wore the uniform of the state with pride. When my name was pulled for random drug testing, I knew I would have nothing to fear. So, if one uniform branch of the state can undergo random drug testing, then all the other uniform branches of the state should be subjected to this same testing. No one is above the law. And after all, we're all paid by one master. That is, the taxpayer. And we owe a sense of duty to each and every one of them. Please treat this text with confidence. Good text. Uh, and on the topic of great bus driver, morning Mick, I was travelling down to West Cork and Bank Holiday Monday on the West Cork Connect bus when the driver pulled over in Clannacilty and helped an elderly man pick up his shopping off the road after the bottom burst in his bag. Uh, the driver jumped out and gave him a bag and helped him put his shopping in the bag. And when the driver got back on, a few people clapped for him. What a gent he was. 
and uh, the man wasn't a passenger on his bus even. That's the way we should all be, especially the cars in front of that just drove around his shopping and carried on. It took a bus driver driving a huge machine uh, to stop and show that kindness of heart. So please pass on the thanks from Helen in Formoy. Now, lockdown has made a lot of us assess our lives, our dreams and our futures. But what it has taught us more than anything is that we'll always have obstacles in life. We'll always have things to overcome and maybe we need to think bigger. And on that subject, Annette Dilworth joins us. Annette Dilworth-Enright, I beg your pardon. Good morning, Annette. Good morning, Mick. How are you? I'm very good. You sound positive and chirpy anyway. Always. And great to hear you on the radio, by the way. Oh, thanks very much. Now, Irish Music and Drama College, the IMDC, is making drama in a pandemic. Why is this important? Well, I suppose, uh, number one, there's a real shortage of speech and drama teachers in Ireland. And IMDC is a, um, is a performing arts teacher training college. And the first... Um, thing that we realised was that there was such a shortage of speech and drama teachers and a lot of teachers kind of fall into teaching, you know, based on experience of acting stage, um, stage experience. Maybe they were a student previously in a stage school and um, a lot of them, don't, particularly the younger teachers, don't have any formal training. A lot of teachers of my generation and older have it, but a lot of the younger ones don't have any formal training. And of course, Formal training has changed over the years because you're not just looking at how to teach class, how to create lesson plans, how to make sure that you're giving a full and um, clear program throughout the year. But there's also the business side of it, the marketing side of it. Everything everything mm. has changed, you know. And that's where IMDC came from. And we were starting a college in Cork that was going to, that students would attend, but the pandemic changed all that and we decided to take it online and actually it's been amazing because we've had applicants from all around the country and even as far away as Spain. So uh, let's let's amazing. dispel the myth, uh, you know, as parents everybody wants to give their child a smattering, a good selection uh, of activities to do and for those who might think that, you know, I paid for horse riding, she never made a career out of it or I paid for ballet dancing and she never made a career out of that. It's not the it's not that that we're looking at here. And for those who might think, you know, paid for speech and drama classes, she never got a job as an actor, or he. Um, but speech and drama play such an important role in childhood development because it teaches, amongst other things, I imagine, uh, expression, self-confidence, empathy, uh, gives communication skills a boost. Will I be correct? Absolutely, Mick. It builds confidence and encourages lots of fun, lots of laughter, but particularly coming out of a pandemic, the mental health side of um, the effects that children and teenagers are feeling, drama can provide a safe space and distance to express emotions, role play solutions, and it promotes friendships and allows plenty of opportunities to make friends and build build resistance. So it's a really great tool, and people have used it in many different ways. Like even if you have even if you have a child studying drama. I had a friend once and she told me her daughter was being interviewed for a job which I think was Delight and Touche and um, the guy said you know to her when he was interviewing he said you know there was hundreds of applicants but there was something stood out in your application do you know what it is and she said no and he said I saw you did speech and drama and public speaking and I want somebody who's going to be able to confidently speak to a room of people of their peers and maybe of their managers mm-hmm. and you're because I saw you had that on your CV 
I said, this lady will surely have that confidence and I can see that you have. So it really would surprise you where it can be used later. Yeah, and ro- role-playing is, uh, is of ever-increasing importance in, uh, in office settings, you know, especially if you're training up a, a call centre or something. There's always role-playing involved in the training. Correct. And, you know, using drama games and drama skills in your work in your in 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 your classroom, I mean, so much of the curriculum now in primary schools is to be taught through drama. A lot of primary schools, the teachers may not have the skills to do that, so sometimes they bring in external drama teachers for a certain amount of hours a week to come in and teach the class. But if those teachers were given the skills, which is something we would do, is like workshops with teachers to give them the skills to teach each of the subjects through, you know, the famous saying, you know, you know, um, if you see, see, I will do, you know. So um, it can be used in so many ways, in so many jobs, in so many positions throughout life, whether it's parenting and in different jobs, in teaching, in anything. And and as well, you know, if you're a primary teacher looking for a job, if you're an early year, years teacher looking for a job, or secondary teacher, and you have a qualification behind you in teaching drama and speech and drama, you know, it, it's always going to look great on your CV. It's always going to give you that little bit of extra something okay. when you're going for a job. So, so the bullet points are in it. It's Ireland's first performing arts theatre training college. It's based in Cork, but it's going to be taught online. It's a first diploma. It's beginning this September for exams in May 2022. And if I'm correct, it's a training college that will offer a recognised accreditation. Yes, we're working with the Victoria College of Music and Drama London when I have my accreditation through them and one of the other directors has and they were delighted to get on board and offer it. So it's, year one is a diploma in, speech, in teaching speech and drama and year two you can do a, both a licentiate and a fellowship. Wow. But also we will run other complementary uh, courses as well. It's just there is nothing like this. It exists in existence in Ireland and you know the kind of people that have been really interested is you know leaving such students who maybe want to go down this route and there's no other option for them to do it somebody who's studying maybe uh, another complementary course or not and can can study this in tandem and as I say you know teachers there's loads of opportunities you can work within the corporate world you know working with managers, public speaking, you know there is just loads of opportunities for somebody with a qualification in speech and drama And I suppose the real benefit is you're no longer limited by location now because you can deliver this course online, so uh, very quickly if you don't mind, who who is it going to suit? Uh, do you have to have studied drama before and where can people find out more? So it's it's you don't have to have studied drama before but you have to have an interest in drama and an interest in working with children or teenagers or maybe you already work uh, or would like to work with people with special needs and um, so there's loads of opportunities. So there are leaving set students starting this morning who may not get the course they want but have always wanted to teach uh, drama so it, it might suit somebody like that and as I was saying somebody who's studying something in parallel complementary or otherwise I mean you can work all day in your local deli and earn uh, you know a day's wage two hours teaching speech and drama would probably get you that same wage so it's a great part-time job as well okay. to, you, to have during college someone with a passion for drama and someone in the early years of primary or somebody just looking to upskill and, and to improve their their uh, job prospects and somebody who's interested in opening a business. I mean, there's huge business opportunities and um, there's some amazing large 
and drama colleges in Cork alone, not mind all over the country, they reckon there's uh, at least 250,000 children currently in the performing arts in Ireland. And that number is just growing all wow. the time. It looks like so a very solid career path. Where can people find out more? So you can find out more our website, irishmusicdramacollege.com irishmusicdrama.com and we're on Facebook and Instagram. You can um, email us on irishmdcollege.com or at gmail.com but everything is on our website irishmusicdrama.com and we'd be delighted to talk to you. Okay, that's the specifics out of the way. Just one general question if you don't mind. The pandemic has obviously presented uh, challenges to the mental health of our kids and teenagers. Uh, and I suppose you're going to give me an answer of the positive here, but can drama really help? Oh, unbelievably so. I mean, what drama can do for kids, for shy kids, for kids who are poor to mix. I mean, the right teacher with the right skills, once they are trained properly, what they can do to bring confidence to a child. I mean, I, I, like I've been, I've taught it for many years and the amount of parents that will come back and say, I never thought she'd come back for a second class, not a mind. He's saying, come on, mom, we got to go, we got to go. And the confidence and everything that it, it does for them is, is, is remarkable. But it really provides a safe space, you know, within a group for children and teenagers and they can express their emotions. And, and as we mentioned, role play is a huge part and it promotes friendship, lifelong friendship friendship and if you know anybody who's been has has had their kids involved in drama those are friends they've had all through their lives and right into their their adult years because they just create that incredible bond together it's not about talent it's not it's just about what drama can really do for a child okay now this uh shortage of qualified speech and drama teachers was identified by you guys when i mention you guys it's it's yourself, Annette Dilworth, Enright and Kate Gaffney. So what you really have is you've designed a syllabus to train teachers in Cork and more information can be got from the Irish Music and D- Drama College Facebook, on Instagram and on social media in general uh, and uh, everything starting September uh, for exams in May 2022. Brilliant. Thanks, okay. Kate. You're an absolute star. Not a problem. Thanks a million, Annette. God bless. Cheers. Thank Thank you. Bye-bye. Annette Dilworth, Enright of Irish Music and Drama College. Uh, A couple of more texts. Uh, We have uh, Job for Niece that you mentioned yesterday, Mick. That 17-year-old she had looking for work herself or contacting Red FM herself. Her aunt looking for work for her at the age of 17 does not look good. She needs to be more proactive and do the legwork herself. On pain relief, Salpidine is not a solution, just a temporary stopgap. Be very careful with them. They can be very addictive, plus they're not fixing your problem. Just covering the pain. On Bus Aaron, Mick, just a few things on the Bus Aaron uh, uh, subject you had covered. Some drivers are lovely, uh, while some need a lesson on manners and people, people skills. I have a few drivers I would uh, like to say are just lovely and can't do enough for people. Let this be a reminder to drivers. Manners cost nothing. Politeness can make a huge difference. And I'm a regular listener. It's twenty coming up on 21 minutes past 11 now. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at NeilRedFM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And Damien Long is the owner of West Cork Connect and is responding to the email about Finbar, one of his drivers. Damien, good morning to you. Hey, mate, how are things? Good. Now, as an owner of a, a bus company, you must be uh, used to your fair share of complaints, first of all. Uh, early, look, you get a small bit, but we've very, we've, we've very good drivers, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, and, uh, 
they're they're great. So we get nothing but praise for them. Well, in all fairness, we do every day of the week. We've had more than one. In fact, we've had more than t- than two communications regarding Finbar, your 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 bus driver. He yeah. seems like an incredibly rounded and positive character. Yeah, brilliant. In all fairness, so he is. He's brilliant, and um, they all are. They're all they're all exactly the same. I think Finbar has probably just come across there with. Um, few people giving good uh, good good um, feedback on him but to be honest with you across the board we get really good feedback on, on all the drivers um, I think I think from the time we started our service it was one of the it was one of the main things we said like that when we all sat down we said listen it's the drivers we listened to what the customers were saying and kind of complaining about and the drivers are a big thing their attitude how they responded to people and uh, we gave them full leeway with with everyone, you know, we get to the leeway. We said, "Listen, you know, if if you think somebody doesn't have money, different things like that, that's fine. You you have the leeway. Leave them on for free. Leave them travel. You know, we'll get it back again, or they'll pay again another time or something. You know. So I think that's why giving them their own responsibility in the day and leaving them make their own decisions, yeah. not being tied down and being afraid that they'll make a mistake or being afraid that when they come back that, that I'll give out to them or someone will give out to them." That's not the way. They make their own decisions every day, and, and thankfully, they make the right decisions every day. They're very good. Like yeah, so you, you don't you don't seem like an owner who has the whip out to them every day. Then you're very positive yeah, and say, look, they, I mean, it's it, the West Cork community. They're they're a big hearted local community. It it really is like a small village, as expansive as it is. It is. It's 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 a big area, but a small village at the same time. You're dead right. Like and you know, for for us, um, like without the people, we don't have a business. So like. If we don't treat them well, they're not going to come back. And if they don't come back, then we're gone out of business. So, like, you know, it has a domino effect. Like, if the drivers treat them badly, they're not going to, they're not going to come back again. Like, so, um, it's really important to us. That, mm-hmm. But as I say, with other customers, we have no business. So they're 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 the heart and soul of it. Like, but Damien, in in this increasingly cashless society, I know my own daughter was left uh, at the side of the road in the rain because she only had twenty euros. The driver just wouldn't accept it. Uh, if you don't have the change, where do you get the change? So the next day she went and bought a coffee, okay, uh, and gave the 20 euros for the coffee and was left short of fiver in the change. Uh, yeah, so it became a very expensive bus trip. But you guys have got completely cashless technology as well. Yeah, completely, as completely cash. cashless. Again, at the very start, we, we, we listened to the customers. We spent a long time researching this before we started the West Cork Connect business. Like, And we listened to what everyone had to say and, 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 and the good things they had to say and the bad things they had to say about going up and down the Cork every day. And one of the big things was going on board buses, not having the right change, not being able to get on. And uh, it was important to us that we, we, we invested in technology that would allow completely cashless. Um, they can book online or they can get on the bus and pay with a Visa card. Um, either way, they don't have to have money on them at, at the time, like, you know. Okay. And, and uh, we I'm, we're getting texts about it just even, even as you're coming on about your cashless technology and a policy not to leave anyone at a bus stop. Uh, you're, you know, the big-hearted way. Look, they can sort it out afterwards. If they need to get to West Cork or need to get to Cork, let's get them there and worry about the money afterwards. It, it can be. And, and, and like, uh, you'll often see, we've had it during the year, you know, maybe you have a student above in college and they just, they're, they, they might be out of money. They, they, they just might have not have it in their card on the day. But, like, you leave them on and, like, nine times out of ten, their, their, their parents are standing at the bus stop when you get there to pay you. Like, and that's, that's just how it goes. Like, I mean, it's, it's a game of trust, like, you know, and you know, I mean, we've, we've let people on for free and they're the very people that will come back the following week saying, look, you left me free last week, so I owe you for last week and I owe you for today as well. Like, and, wow. And that, that's, that's the only way to run it. When you're, when you're a private, you know, when you're a private hire, when you're trying to run a self-employed, it's the only way, it's the only way we can run it to, to make sure that, that, that we continue to get, um, 
to get good players and get the people back every week, week after week, and, and that's what helps us. So what, what routes do you run, Damien? At the, mo- at the moment, we run the, um, the 230, which is the route from Skibbereen to Cork every day via Clannacilty, Bandon, Nina Shannon. Uh, we run that eight times a day at the moment, and we're increasing to 12 times a day next month with, with extra services. And uh, we have our new bantry services starting in September, and then we actually have a new Kinsale service also starting in September. Um, wow, that's that's so, heavy investment in, in buses and staff. Yeah, it's big. It's 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 big, and look, it's 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 not easy. Um, you know, we're up against we're up against a state body or semi state body, and it's it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to start. But look, thankfully, the, the people who have talked have been willing to us, and um, like we we we've we've gone from strength to strength, and we're able to add these extra times. And yeah, we've got extra staff. We have we we we, we have an extra ten people employed by the by the time August comes. Like so, it's great. Like but. You know, I listen to the show there and I listen to, um, you know, some people to be able to drivers and, 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 and drivers from the other companies and stuff like that. But I, I, it's, I, I, people can't blame those drivers and it, it really isn't their fault because I know a lot of them. I, I can tell you, Finbar, Finbar came from, sorry, Finbar came himself from both Aaron and he's a great, he's brilliant, like, and they all are. A lot of those drivers are excellent, excellent, but the heavy hand is down on top of them all the time and they can't, you know, they're, they're, they can't make mistakes like you know and they can't leave people out for free it's not it isn't their fault and that is one of the things like that you know like to say back to a lot of customers it's not the driver's fault in, in most of those cases you know because they'll, they'll, they'll get a rap on the knuckles if they come back and leave somebody out for free or, or anything like that so you know the blame always doesn't go down on top of those drivers mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I suppose it's it's easy for someone to blame the driver if they've had you know an off day or a cranky day or something is going wrong or um, it, is, it is at times I suppose look when they're stuck in traffic and things like that it is it is easy to blame them but um, again look it's our advantage we're a small family run company um, you know we know every driver by name and we know who they are and, 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 and we chat with them every day and that's that's the that's the big side of it you know we're not um, you know we're not unionised as well which I think is another major problem to these to these, to these big big companies it's very hard for them and it's very hard for drivers to use their own initiative and, and, and do things like that. I think that's our that's our big advantage. It's, yeah. it's just that small family run West Cork company. We run a West Cork company in a West Cork way. We are we are West Cork people. We know how people think in West Cork, and I think again that is that is our advantage in this situation. Okay, looking forward to the the growing tourism coming back now again in the summer. I suppose. Great text here for you, Damien. West Cork Connect is a fantastic service. They have new buses, superb staff and much cheaper than our public bus service on the same routes. My wife travels to work in Cork and loves the service, and online chat support is very prompt and great to hear you make on the radio. All you guys are short to sing, sing songs next. <laughs> sing songs up and down would be great, chat. We could get them started. Okay, um, yeah, another question, sorry, Damien. Does the bus yeah. accept a free travel pass, and where do you leave from Cork, uh, and what time? Yeah, no, we accept we accept the free travel, and uh, we've just qualified to accept the leap card now as well from next month on as well. Like, so is, is there a government uh, subvention then for that for accepting the free travel? Yeah, yeah, there's government. Um, yeah, we have to we have to once we get the license from the NTA, which takes a long time, we have to go through certain protocols before we're allowed accept the free travel. So, to be honest, we've been accepting the free travel there for twelve months on our own. Back, we haven't been getting any funding or anything for it, so we actually. We're, we're taking free travel every day for the last 12 months, but we get nothing back for it. Um, but from, from now on, we've qualified. We've, 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 you know, we've made our mark and we've qualified with it. So from next month on, we'll be, we, we still accept the free travel, but we'll be, we'll be getting something back from the state for it and we'll be able to accept the, the, um, the, the leap card as well from next month. And uh, we leave, 
I'll pick a point in this city. We coming back out, coming to West Cork. We actually were on Patrick's key, the same key as air coach and go bus and mm-hmm. connect them all in. You know, that's where our pick up point is. And we also pick up in Western Road there. Terminal so, three, Terminal three. That's what we call terminal it now. Three. Yeah, Terminal three. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is at this stage, isn't it? Can, can, can I just put it to you that the the compounding effect of good service is, it can never be underestimated. Put it this way to you now. If Finbar was a cranky old git, right, you wouldn't be on the radio today being able to extol the virtues of your wonderful service. So it really does pay it forward when people are good with people. Oh, look, it makes all the difference. They are they are our ambassadors. No matter what those drivers are, every day of the week, like they are the ambassadors for our company. And that is, they are the reason. We can put on... We can put on new buses, we can evolve the technology in the world, but if we have bad drivers, our, our game isn't going to work. And that's why, I mean, if you look at the reviews on our company on everything, everything is about our drivers. Everything is about them. They're, they're top-notch. Every day of the week, they work long hours, they're hard, but they keep vehicles clean, pristine, and that's what people want. And everything they do, they get on with people. And um, I think that's the, that's the key to our business, and that's the key going forward. Even when we're taking on drivers for new roles, Everyone in the future, it's so important. We want the right driver, the guy with the right attitude. That's that's what we want because it's that's what brought it. I mean, Brilliant, Damien. That's great. You, you know, you, you you could be in customer service training for some of the big operations around here, uh, in various customer service roles. You know, in hospitality and. Uh, you've got a wonderful attitude, and I think your company's going to grow from strength uh, to strength on the back of it. Damien Long, owner of West Cork Connect. Thank you very much. Keep up the good work. Well, thanks. Thanks a million. Bye-bye. Uh, good story and a good all-round story. And all that came from the kindness of a driver who uh, puts his passengers first. Now then, uh, as often we do on the Neil Prenneville Show, we follow a topic through uh, my time here anyway. And it's nice, once again, very briefly to connect with Nikki, uh, whom we spoke to early and late last week uh, as she contacted us looking for a and b for a homeless man who was then 12 days sober. Welcome back, Nikki. Hi, Mick. How are you? Good. How's it been going for him? Absolutely brilliant. As we speak, he is en route to his um, rehabilitation. Wow. So, so yeah. you, we not only identified the bridge, but you've cro- he's crossed the bridge now. He has, thank God, he has, definitely. Um, thanks to Hazel from the Street, Street Angels Homeless Group, she was able to secure a bed for him. And um, she's driving him to Tipperary today. Wow. And does he know that we're still rooting for him? And does he know that uh, oh, everyone was does. in his corner he with does. his extending sobriety? Yeah, no, he does, definitely. Um, we've spent a lot of time with him since he was discharged from hospital. So between ourselves and another, there's actually three different homeless groups have come together to help this guy. There's ourselves, Street Angels and um, Homeless Drive. And we've made sure that he's been well looked after for the last week and he's headed off now today. Okay, and what does the immediate future hold for him now? How difficult is the programme he's about to undertake? Um, it'll be tough. It will be very tough on him. Um, he, you know, he won't be able to have contact with us or his friends for a good number of weeks. Um, but he'll be working um, up there Um working on a farm and stuff. So, um, you know, his mind will be kept occupied all the time. And his determination is, it's an inspiration to others, to be honest. Sure. And and the the purpose of the program, I imagine, is is to rebuild and maintain his determination, but rebuild his own self-worth, his own belief in himself. 
yeah, because he is, he's a very shy guy and he, um, you know, his confidence has been lost and he just, he he's looking at this as a first start. He's actually turning 32 tomorrow and he's looking at this as his own birthday present to himself. Wow. It's a good attitude yeah. to start with. Yeah, it is. Like, And, you know, he'll be gone for 12 months and he's looking forward to coming back to Cork, hopefully, in 12 months' time. And I hope we can speak to him on the radio when he does because that would be just a wonderful, I, I suppose, mark of progress if he had the confidence and the honesty to come on and say, look, it's been a terribly long road uh, but with the support of everybody around me, I've I've done it. I'm a year off. I'm clean. I'm uh, working. I'm positive. Would it be great? Oh, it'd be fantastic. You must get a great pleasure, Nikki, in, in in seeing the success stories. And I, I know not everybody can succeed. I'm actually very emotional today at him going. To be honest, I said goodbye to him last night, and it was very tough because he's become my friend, and um, you know. I'm just, I'm proud of him. I'm really, really, really proud of him. Mm-hmm. And it, it is, it is a great feeling to know that I was part of being able to help somebody that really wanted to change their life around. Fantastic. We wish him all the best. Please keep in touch with his progress uh, and we hope it goes very well for him. N- Nikki, well, well, well done. And ta- the airtime. Oh, not a problem. And listen, take a bow for your big, big hearted nature. And uh, I suppose he can't contact you now for four or five weeks or so, but you've made a friend for life, probably. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Well done, Nikki, and thanks very much. All right, thanks a million. Thanks, bye-bye. Bye, bye-bye. Now then, by text, Hi, I live in Northern Europe, and on buses you can pay in multiple ways, including with cash of whatever amount. You cannot be refused service for having a large note. Smartphones can be used via an app connected to the National Bus Service. You can link your bank account to pay uh, your fare, and then scan the QR code as you enter the bus which stays valid for two hours on any city bus thereafter. Uh, There's a good idea, Uh, a ticket that will give you two hours extra travelling around. You can also tap your debit card, just like you would at a shop, to pay for an item. Problem solved. What's Ireland's problem catching up with all this modern technology that makes life so much easier? Uh, Typical Irish, we're trying to cut corners again, as usual, I suppose. It's uh, coming up on 21 minutes to midday now. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Good morning from the Neil Prendival Show. Back to our phone lines and to Finbar. Good morning, Finbar. Good morning. Now, you're 12 years on the housing list. I am indeed, yeah. And you're living with your children? My wife and my four kids. Well, I have I have seven. Uh, one uh, passed away five years ago through suicide, and okay. my other two won't live in the house I were in, so they just moved out. Why won't they live in the house you're in? Because of their older brother. Okay. And are the other children maybe on the younger side that they don't realise? They they're too young. Yeah, to understand the import of what happened. In, in yeah. the house. So your son took his life in that house? Yeah. Would it be fair to say then that the two children who are not living there would be miserable or scared of the of the room uh, and what happened there? Yeah, because my, my second oldest son, he was sharing the room with him. Okay, so they were very close. 
were extremely close. Is that yeah, Ruben Hughes now in I your know. house? He he chose to be homeless now. He won't come in anywhere near the house. But he's welcome in your house? Oh, yeah. He comes in now, all right, so he's just the downstairs part. He'll go for a shower, he comes in for meals, and he's gone again. Okay. Very, very sad. Is, oh. is, is the room in which your son took his life still in use in the house? Are other children using it? No. It's just an empty room? Yeah, with all my son's stuff. But always there to remind you? Yeah. And has any consideration on this been given, even on compassionate grounds, to furthering no. your ambition to get a house and your, your 12-year no. tenure on that list? No, 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 nothing. No, this goes back a long time, if you have a bit of time. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we did have a flat in Ford Street, a three-bedroom apartment. Um, I put in for a transfer because the flat was a bit too small. Waited a few years for the transfer, and then as my kids were grown up, they were getting happy. They were happy. They had friends. They had a field to play in. So I went down. I took myself off the house and at the transfer list. Oh, okay. So with that, about a couple of months after that, I requested to the council for a new fitted kitchen because the kitchen that was in there was falling down. They agreed to me a kitchen so they came up with the kitchen the day after and within a half an hour the head housing officer followed and said we have a four bedroom house out in Mac for you and I said no I said I told him we're happy here now just come out and have a look of it so me, me and my wife we went out and had a look of it said it's in a council uh, cul-de-sac with a crash across the road it's grand and quiet so, myself and my wife, we decided to take it. Okay. And when we took it, we were only in there a week. Uh, my car was smashed up. It was cow fire. Uh, they broke the back window, broke in into the kitchen, uh, threatening us with bars. Um, they threatened to burn us out of it. We didn't move. Um, the guards were called, and at the end, the guards said it would be safe to leave the house for our own safety. Where did you go then? So we went back. We stayed with my sister-in-law, my wife's sister, until we found a private accommodation. Um, then the council, I went down with the keys of the house, handed them back, and he turned around to me, into my, to my face, and my wife was there. Your, the next four-bedroom house that comes up in our own Dare Park, Green Mount, Talk, or Balaviyan, or anything, it's yours. That's 11 years, that's 12 years on. So you, you moved from council accommodation to suggested better council accommodation, which turned out to be much worse for your yeah. family situation, council accommodation. Uh, you handed back the keys and began to rent privately, and that's 12 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, How much are you paying for that house? Uh, 800 a month Wow With no central heating No central heating And do you no, think if no. you got a house Back from You know you, you got another Placement from the council That uh, it would reunite the family Would your Elder son yeah, come home Yeah it would we, We'd be all We'd be all back together As uh, as, a, as a proper family And uh, okay. my older son Has gone like 
the house, the, the family had broken, like. That was five years ago he took his own life, is it? Five years in October, yeah. He was only at the turn on 18. It's a very I, tough one. Um, I know there are people going to be listening to this saying, you know, what if you were in a normal family home that somebody owned and somebody took their own life there? They have to continue living there as well. Yeah. Because we have nowhere else to go, like. Mm-hmm. I mean, when they keep promising over and over and over again that the next four-bedroom house or three-bedroom house comes up as it's yours and then you go past the house that's free and it's gone, people are living there. Okay. So what is your appeal to the powers that be at this stage, 12 years in? I want the house that they promised me first day after they took me out of the flat that I was in with my kids. I didn't want to transfer after. They put me in there, false pretenses, the height of trouble like we, we, uh, people causing for us, threatening to burn us out of it, smash my car, at least they do, at least they can do, is hose me. Like they're promised. And they're covering it all up every time I mention it. Oh, he couldn't have said that. She couldn't have said this. I know exactly what they were said. Okay, we'll, ha- we'll have to leave it there. And I don't want to go into any more specifics. I don't want to really identify where you're living or, or who your family is. But uh, it must be difficult for you to be to be in that house uh, with that untouched room now, is it? Yeah. Do you think your your son will finally be at peace if you do move on and you have to m- more or less sanitise that room, clean it up for the next person or whatever? Yeah, and, or he's, he's, uh, and bring a few things of his with you wherever son, you go next. He's with, with some measure of happiness. Thing. You think he's still with you? Yeah. I do hope it works out for you, and I do hope you can reunite the family, Finbar. And is there anything you could be able to do for us? Would you be able to contact the council for us? Well, indirectly you're doing that here now, live on air, so uh, I'll, I'll see what the production team can do, but of course there's no, we can't make any promises in that regard. Yeah. But uh, we'll do our very best to see what the situation is anyway and get some clarity. Perfect. Finbar, thanks for being brave enough to come on and discuss this. I hope Thank it all works out much. for you, my friend. Thank you very much. Thanks a million. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. Okay, some good news, some strange news, some texts and some music to finish the uh, program today. We had been intending uh, since the second day here, the first, my, my second day here, the first of June, uh, to play a summer song a day. But thanks to the wonderful production team, it's been so busy I haven't had a chance. So I'm going to try and squeeze in a summer song today, okay, as we prepare for a little better weather uh, tomorrow. We'll start with the good news, okay. We've had a communication from Cork Airport announcing the dates for the resumption of uh, popular destinations. Cork Airport announced this morning via Twitter that they are welcoming back the following routes on Ryanair, Alicante, Stansted, Luton and Warsaw. And in July, Malaga, Faro and Malta. So that's south of Spain, south Portugal and Malta coming back in July. That's from Ryanair. Alicante, Stansted, uh, Luton and Warsaw being welcomed back. And in July, Malaga, Faro and uh, in the Algarve, Portuguese Algarve and Malta. And Lufthansa are going to recommence their Frankfurt connection to Cork on June 25th. Frankfurt coming back on June 25th. Uh, Air France, Paris commencing on July 14th. Paris, July 14th with Air France. And Swiss uh, are going to uh, recommence their Zurich connection 
on the 18th of July. So well done to all at Cork Airport. Great positive news when you hear about airlines and uh, air routes coming back. Alicante, Stansted, Luton and Warsaw for Ryanair. And in July, they'll welcome back Malaga, Faro and Malta. Once again, Lufthansa. Frankfurt commencing on June 25th. Uh, air France commencing Paris on July 14th. And Swiss Air uh, commencing uh, Zurich on July 18th. Now, the strange news next. And um, this, this one is... Uh, a it's a strange text. I hope to get to it as a topic today, but let's see if we'll just uh, read out the, uh, the email as such and get to it tomorrow. Fashion House New Look are selling padded bikinis for girls as young as nine. The move has sparked this email from John in Clonakilty, who is accusing the store of over-sexualizing young girls. Hi Mick, I'm beyond repulsed at the latest attempt by a multinational organization in over-sexualizing young girls. Last year, we had the LOL dolls and their disappearing sexy lingerie. And before that, we had beauty pageants for very young kids. Now, New Look are selling padded bikinis targeted at girls as young as nine years of age. Why can't little girls be little girls? They just don't stand a chance at childhood when you have this type of carry-on. The two-piece forms molded, uh, molded triangular cups with matching skimpy bottoms secured only by ties at the side. Padded bras are only used for one thing, and that is to accentuate what God has given some women. These bikinis do not belong on a nine-year-old girl. Why shouldn't uh, we shouldn't be making children into sexualized beings before their own personal hormones are ready for them to be sexual? Young boys now get a lot of their sex ed- education from online porn, where women with big breasts are being portrayed as the norm. A lot of these boys are going to see those breasts and will be programmed to act sexually. What's wrong with a one-piece swimsuit? Uh, They'll be nice and cool in and out of the water, and I don't uh, see the need for a bikini, especially with a tie at the side. Some joker is going to pull the tie, and the entire beach will be glaring at the embarrassed child. I'd be interested if your listeners were of a similar opinion, says John in Clan. And your calls in that... Uh, possibly for tomorrow's program, are more than welcome on one eight five zero one zero four one zero six by text at eight one zero four one zero six and by email to neil at redfm dot ie. Now then, let's take a summer song for the uh, good weather we're expecting a little bit of tomorrow. Here's Kid Rock and all summer long. Kiss me home, Oh, summer long, that's two songs. Warren Zevon's Werewolves of London and uh, Leonard Skinner's Sweet Home, Alabama. Just finishing the Neil Prendival show for today. The programme was produced by Brenda Dennehy and by uh, Seamus Wheelahan and ably assisted by Mark Willington. We're back tomorrow after news at 9am. Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.